All right, all right. So before we get started on this episode, this is a great episode. I would like to, by the way, this little piece right here, I'm recording after we've already recorded the episode. So I listened back to to what we had just recorded and I didn't realize that my mic sounded off. So I'm pretty sure it has to do with my mixer and I just want to apologize to you guys in advance because it's not the same sound quality that, you know, I personally wanted to have for my mic. JP's mic sounded perfect. It sounded like I was the one on a fucking Zoom call. So first and foremost, I want to apologize for that. This issue with audio will be resolved very soon. And um, yeah, this is a great episode and... I hope you guys enjoy it. Very informative. You know what I mean? So we're going to get started with that right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcasting couch. I'm your host, Jay, aka The Program. And uh, today I have a guest here, uh, first live guest, so it's pretty cool. And um, his name is JP. He's uh, one half of the founders for Resolve CBD. And um, you know what? I'm terrible at this, so I'm going to go ahead and let him introduce himself. Thanks, Jay. Uh, yeah, my name is JP. <clears throat> it's actually three founders for Resolve. <laughs> oh, shit. Three. Yeah, there's three. Um, so there's myself, there's Jackson, and there's Mike. I don't okay. think you've met Mike. No, I don't no. think I have. Yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah, I'm one third of the co-founding team of resolve cbd we've been at it for about two years uh i'm the chief marketing officer there and i handle all the creative work uh the branding and technology as well nice yeah nice. all right so tell me first of all tell me how resolve got started um resolve was in some ways kind of um unplanned it was sort of almost by accident i would say so the original idea the three of us had back in 2000 and I want to say 17, um, going into 18 was to actually start a cannabis tourism business. So CBD was not even on the radar at all. Um, and at the time we knew that because this is pre legalization. And so we knew we wanted to get into the cannabis industry and we were thinking of ways to do that. And for us, uh, Jackson and I and Mike were very passionate about traveling. Um, Jackson and I had done a backpacking trip right after university. <clears throat> we had done two, two months through Southeast Asia. We lived in LA for a month. Um, and so travel was something that we were very passionate about. Cannabis was something that the three of us had some sort of a relationship with throughout our lives. Mike had been using it med- uh, medicinally for, for, for a while. Um, of course, recreationally, I had been using it like most, you know, people growing up in this country and, and so did Jackson. And so for us, we were like, well, let's do cannabis tourism. And so we actually took a trip to Denver in, um, I want to say 2017 or it might have been 18. And, uh, because Colorado had been legal at that time for like four or five years, there's a few states in the, in the U.S. that are, that are legal. And so. We wanted to see what was going on there in terms of like, what's the scene like? What, what's the dispensary model like in, in Denver? Um, what kind of sort of peripheral services and businesses exist around cannabis, tourism being one of them. And so 
we went down there and we booked a bunch of like cannabis tours and cooking classes and grow up tours, like all kinds of um, activities based in tourism. And we saw the market for it. And Denver is much smaller than Toronto. And, you know, there's not much going on over there. And people really just go to Colorado to ski, I guess. And who really goes to Denver as a tourist? But <laughs> as soon as they legalized, you had an influx of people coming from other illegal states to experience cannabis under a legal framework. And the tourism was a big part of it. Um, and so we saw that <clears throat> we can take that and do something like that in Toronto, which at the time already had a booming tourist in, uh, tourism industry, irrespective of cannabis, because, you know, we're a global city now. And especially yeah. when it comes to like arts and culture and, um, the amount of people we just see coming into the city. And if you just look at the stats, this is pre COVID, obviously. Especially for Americans, it made a lot of sense to take a quick long weekend trip. If you're from like New York or Boston or Chicago or any of the East Coast cities, it's very easy for you to make a quick trip up to Toronto over a long weekend. Um, you're, you know, especially with FX, <clears throat> everything is at like a 35% discount for you. So you come up, you know, you go to the clubs, you go to the restaurants, you catch a concert, you watch the raps play your team or, or a baseball game or whatever. Um, and you spend all this money and then you, you go back home. And so now when you legalize cannabis federally, it just adds a whole other layer of tourism. So now people are even more incentivized, whether they're traveling from abroad or coming from the States, they're going to come up to, you know, do the same things and also be able to walk into a dispensary and buy cannabis and, and smoke it freely. Yeah. Cause I remember you guys, um, when I first got to the condo, oh, by the way, if you guys don't know, like I work in condo. Right. So mm. that's where we kind of met. Um, you guys had this company called Lunas. That was your tourism company. Yeah. Lunascape was the, so that's exactly it. So Lunascape was the cannabis tourism brand that we were starting. So we love the city. We wanted to do something that kind of combined all of our passions of travel. You know, we've all grown up here. Um, and we we're very passionate about our city and all the offerings that it has. And we were very excited about the tourism that we were seeing, the influx of people coming in. Yeah. You know, it made us proud and we wanted to kind of represent the city well. And so we had started to, at the time, we were doing focus groups around some of our core offerings, which at the time were doing cannabis cooking classes. Yeah. So we would do like, uh, like a one-on-one class where we just teach you about the infusion process of how to make cannabis infused butter, which would be an input to a lot of other recipes. I gotta learn how to do that, man. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of people have that classic story. Um, everyone has that, like, that scarring, traumatizing story with edibles, right? They're like, oh, I don't do edibles anymore because there was that one time where I had a brownie and, like, threw up and greened yeah. out. <laughs> and it's like, and so a lot of uh, our, our, um, the way we ran the brand or were building the brand was around education was a big topic for us, especially with legalization around the corner. There's a lot of people that maybe weren't as familiar with, with weed or cannabis, but now that it was going to be legalized, they're interested. They're like, Oh, like, you know, there's, there's something here that I want to look more into maybe yeah. for the, the therapeutic benefits or maybe for recreation. So in those classes, we would educate people and be like, well, when you had that brownie and greened out, that's because you, whoever made that brownie didn't know what they were doing. And I remember when I was at university, you would just throw a bunch of weed into a pot, add some butter, <laughs> you know, yeah. heat it up. And <laughs> so. You can't blame the cannabis. It's really what you did was the equivalent of maybe drinking an entire two six of vodka in, in a night. Uh, of, yeah. So of course you're going to have a terrible, don't blame the vodka. You just had too much. 
Exactly. So it's it's a similar thing, and so we would basically teach people the science behind it and how to measure, because you know cooking is in a way is a science as well as an art, and so chemistry. it's chemistry, and so it's like, how do I measure? You know, how do I know this is the amount of THC in the strain that I have? You know, it's the twenty percent THC strain. Now, if I use this much, and I you know go through the process that we teach you, you're gonna know per serving of let's say you made cookies you can basically measure out your recipe and the process so that each cookie you know has exactly 12 milligrams of THC. That's and once, wild, yeah. And so once you know the number, like now it's the same as having a bottle of wine that you're like, oh, this has 12% alcohol. This vodka has 40%. This beer has seven. It's the same thing, right? So you can kind of, you know, consume the amount that's right for you. So that's what we were doing. We started to do walking tours as well of the city. Um, and did you guys we were, do it when you were high? No, so part of the cannabis tourism kind of. So, thing? so <laughs> it was it was open. It was very optional. So when we did the uh, the classes, like we had cannabis available for whoever wanted to indulge as they took the class, feel free. Um, and we had a variety of people. Like we put it out to like friends, family, and just people we kind of kind of meet through our networks. We had older people, younger people, people that were very experienced, people that had little to no experience with cannabis. And the educational part was very important, and whoever wanted to indulge could. Other people were there more to do something fun and different. It's kind of like uh, if you went on a date night and you did painting together, yeah. you know, or, yeah. or something that maybe you wouldn't normally do. It's kind of like that. So for some people, they just wanted to get high and make edibles, and so there's that crowd. And then you had some people that just wanted to try something different and try something new, and it was appealing in that way. So we were doing all of this. um, over the course of 2018 and while we were doing all of this we were looking at you know um, opening up a retail space um, a coffee shop slash event space <clears throat> where we can run our classes and you know rent it out to other people that want to do things and while that was happening cbd was taking off in the states and it was starting to like become more of a mainstream topic in canada yeah. and during that time um, we had a connection to a local hemp farm supplier in Ontario. And to be honest, it was kind of like, it, it started off as like a side project. So the tourism was the main gig and the CBD was the side project. And we were like, let's just see. And so we can just buy some wholesale, um, hemp extract, try some formulations and see where we can take it. Because if it sells, then there's an immediate return on there where the idea was that the cash flow that came in from this little CBD project could be used to help fund the tourism business, which was the main thing. And we were like, and we were even thinking like, oh, if this doesn't work out, you know, we can always resell the, the plant extract that we buy so we, we won't lose any money. Like this was a thought process of like, yeah. oh, like let's try this thing. And if it doesn't work, like we'll be okay. Yeah. So. At the end of 2018, um, the name Resolve was born and the brand was starting to get built. You know, we, we made labels, um, on like, I remember I, I made these labels on like, cause I wanted to have this brown sort of craft paper look. And so I ordered brown craft shipping labels from Amazon that you used to put on like boxes to ship. And then I would print the labels on those and use a paper cutter to cut the labels and then apply them to the bottle. Like super hack, but um, we, it worked and we saw the demand and we're like, oh, people are interested and people are willing to, to buy this product. And so over the course of 
the, the next year, um, 2019, Resolve CBD just sort of grew and grew and took over as the main the main gig. It sort of just started to eclipse the the tourism piece. And then obviously going into 2020, uh, as soon as the pandemic hit um, North America and, and quarantine and all that in March, like this tourism just completely stopped. And and thank God, like it all kind of that's where the luck piece comes in. It kind of all worked out. Like imagine we had stuck uh, stuck it out with tourism after this year like <laughs> that would not have worked out so um yeah so the cbd business kind of started as like a little side project and then um kind of you know yeah expanded and became what it is today nice man that's yeah i remember when you guys like were starting that out and um you know you gave me some and you asked me <coughs> if, I, if i smoke weed or like you know and I, yeah obviously right and my main thing was I was using it to fall asleep. And, you know, you, you educated me on that part where CBD is actually better for you to, to go to sleep than weed mm-hmm. because you don't wake up with that hangover, mm-hmm. right? And um, for me, that was game-changing. <laughs> and, you know, I started looking more into it. And then you guys came out with a topical cream, yeah, which is honestly my favorite cream. Because mm-hmm. it works so well and it works so fast. Yeah. Right? Like I use that after workout. You know, I have plantar fasciitis, so I use that on my feet. Nice. And then I massage it. And then I wake up in the morning with no pain on my feet. Amazing. So it was perfect. Yeah. Right? So um, what, if, you know, if you guys don't know, like the listeners, what is the main benefits of CBD? So CBD, there's a lot. And... I would say the the main buckets of benefit would be um, stress and, and anxiety. It helps to really manage your stress and anxiety levels and curb um, your anxiety. And then pain and inflammation as well. And a lot of people like yourself, um, they the first sort of tangible benefit that they can feel that they report is better sleep. Yeah. And I always, you know, tell people it's not that CBD is a sleep inducer. It's not like you take CBD and you're going to get drowsy. The reason why most of the time people are getting better sleep is because their anxiety levels, their stress levels are going down. And oftentimes it's your stress that really negatively impacts your sleep for a lot of people. And, and especially nowadays, a lot of us live with a sort of constant minimum baseline level of stress which becomes your normal so you don't even know what it's like to not have that exactly especially in 2020 yeah and so if you've ever like um if you meditate a lot or or you do something like running or some sort of meditative practice where you're very present and you know that feeling where the stress and anxiety kind of fades away you can also achieve this through um you know psychedelic drugs or or you know meditation there's a lot of different ways. And so there's that feeling of lightness when this, the day-to-day ongoing baseline level of stress fades away. And this is not the type of stress where you're like pulling your hair out. It's not like the, oh my God, I'm so stressed. This is like that that undercurrent stress that's subtle. And as soon as that's gone, you'll end up sleeping better. Um, yeah. And then also with the pain and the inflammation, it's a similar thing. A lot of us will get poor sleep because of chronic pain or inflammation. Um, whether it's from working out or you know 
Um, some people might have like chronic pain, like arthritis, whatever it is. And so the CBD is helping relieve these symptoms. And when the symptoms are relieved, you'll end up sleeping better. So for a lot of people, um, that's where they notice a difference. They're like, Oh my God, like I got the best sleep last night. And it's like, yes, because you're probably a little less stressed. You're probably a little less pain. And, and that's why. So we have natural receptors in our brains too, right? Exactly. Cannabinoids. Yeah. So CBD stands for cannabinoids cannabidiol and so um yeah sometimes i have to like think about it (laughs) um so it's basically a cannabinoid cannabinoids are compounds found within the cannabis plant the cannabis plant so the cannabis plant is is a family of plants there's several subspecies uh, that fall within the within the category of cannabis marijuana is one of them which is commonly what we know as weed and then there's hemp and that's a key distinction to make because there's over a hundred cannabinoids in both plants. Oh, wow. CBD happens to be one of them, and it just happens to be the most talked about, the most researched. It's just the buzzword right now, but it's actually one of like about 140 plus. Yeah. Um, THC, which a lot of us are familiar with, it's what gets you high, is also a cannabinoid. So in marijuana, you have THC, you have CBD, and you have a bunch of other cannabinoids, CBN and CBG. There's a whole ton of them. Um, in hemp, you have the same cannabinoids, but you have no THC or oh. very little. Yeah. So, um, legally, you know, licensed and cultivated hemp in, in here or in the States, it's going to have less than 0.3% THC inherently. Oh, I see. Yeah. At the plant level, you have such negligible amounts of THC that even after you process and extract, like you're not going to, you know, it's not going to show up in blood work. Um, it's non-psychoactive. And so that's the key difference is that in marijuana, <clears throat> the leading compound is THC. Yeah. Any, your strains of marijuana will have anywhere between 5 to upwards of like 30% THC. <clears throat> that's what gets you high. That's your impairment. That's your psychoactive component. In hemp, the leading compound is CBD. Okay, so it's mostly hemp CBD that's being used. Yeah, so you, when you smoke weed, um, you do get CBD in there as well, of course, yeah. but you're also getting the THC. But it's the majority, it's the percentages it's the, higher THC than CBD would be. Yeah, exactly. And basically for a lot of people where the appeal and where there's um, a viability for hemp-based CBD in the market is for the people that want natural relief from this plant without getting the high. So this is how you achieve the the health benefits, the therapeutic benefits, without getting impairment. Because you know you don't want to be high all the time. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. So that's where the hemp CBD has its place. And then to your earlier point, yeah. So our bodies do have receptors that are built to receive uh, these cannabinoids. It's called the endocannabinoid system, okay. the ECS. So the word endo means from within. Um, so. When you're stressed out, for example, those are chemical reactions happening in your body. There's signals that your brain is sending and your body is secreting cortisol, for example, yeah. when you're stressed. Or when you're happier, there's pleasure or what uh, satisfaction, you get dopamine, right? Yeah. So there's, these are chemical things that are happening in your body to make you feel a certain way. And similarly, our central nervous system, you know, through that system, this endocannabinoid system is has what's called CB1 and CB2 receptors. Uh, and so these receptors are, they're there to take in cannabinoids. And so when you turn to hemp or even marijuana, if you wanted to get your cannabinoids from there, those are called phytocannabinoids. Phyto meaning from a plant. Okay. So essentially when you're taking a CBD product, you're just going to an external source to get these cannabinoids. 
Um, similar, you know, in a way you can think about it as like if you were vitamin D deficient, you'll take a supplement. Yeah. Right. Exactly. To, to top up. And so when you're taking CBD products, the ultimate goal here is that it's bringing your body back to a state of balance or what's known as homeostasis. Yeah. So when you're stressed, um, and you have poor sleep, it means your body is just out of balance. Your central nervous system is, you know, secreting more cortisol in response to a stress event or, environment or whatever you have going on in your life and so taking these products it's just bringing you back to a state of balance which then allows you to have clarity uh, reduce stress better sleep um, all of those things so you know with this podcast like i, I like to make a point with the mental health mm-hmm. right for you as a small business owner how has this year been for you and how was it starting a small business because i'm sure like when we first met you were actually telling me that you you were about to quit your job mm. you were quitting your, your yeah. nine to five right yeah so what's the mental state for that because i know for me when i was a personal trainer i had like a consistent career like not a career but i had a job like a full-time right. job right and when i became a personal trainer that was entrepreneurship and i had to leave that stability of you know, a job, right? Now, mind you, I had the safety net of living with my parents at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, the mindset is completely different. Whereas for you, you were already on your own. You had a career that you were, that you just dropped for, for something new. So what yeah. was, what was that like for your mental health? So at the time of quitting my, my day job, which was a very comfortable, secure job in, in accounting and finance. And, um, at that, at that time, my thought process was, I was 28, I believe at the time, maybe 29 or 28. And for me, I knew that the corporate life wasn't for me, um, long term. I knew that I wasn't going to work at a corporate, you know, bank job till retirement. So yeah. that I, I already knew. And so when this opportunity came, I was like, this may be my opening. This might be my opportunity to, to to leave and to try something um, that I'm passionate about and, and is much more fulfilling. And so, my thought process was that if I don't do this now, the way the corporate world works, you know, is they you get trapped. There's a lot of incentives and and there's a lot of things at play to sort of keep you there, and it gets harder and harder to leave as time goes on. And I started to see that happening. Like it was it was. It was, you know, for a lot of people, they hate their day jobs and it, yeah. it makes it that much easier to leave. Um, fortunately for me at the time, my day job was I was doing well there. I was on a trajectory. I worked with great people. I was being given a lot of opportunities. It was a tough decision to leave because I was leaving behind. I was at a really good spot. And so then it, it was much harder to make that, that decision. But I committed to it and I just looked around at the people that I was working with that were a few years older than me. Um, you know, maybe five years past the point where I was and they had young kids, married, and they looked to me and they were like, Hey, JP, like we were where you were not that long ago. And, um, if you have something like this that you want to chase, like we support you and you should do it. And yeah. And so my whole thing was that I just didn't want to be well into my thirties with a what if question. wondering what if I had quit and and chased that thing or that dream. Like I never wanted that. And 
a good way to look at it is just to find your worst case scenario. And that was my approach. I just defined my fear. Like, what am I, what is stopping me? What's holding me back? Right. Yeah, yeah. And my worst case scenario is that, okay, I quit this job. I start this thing. It doesn't work out. I lose some money. I lose a bit of time. Maybe a year or two goes by. And I'm, I was lucky at, you know, to have, um, a job or a field that I was working in that I can go back to. Yeah. So I can always pick up where I left off. And maybe I'm a bit, you know, a couple of years behind where my peers would be. But am I going to be 40 years old and look back and regret leaving and trying and then going back? No. Those two years in the, in the grand scheme of my life is non consequential. I'm not, I'm not going to be like, Oh, I shouldn't have taken those two years off. On the other hand, if I didn't take it off, that would be eating me up for the rest of my life. Yeah. Cause at least it's, it, it, it's experience gained. Yeah, lessons learned, right? Exactly. There's always there's always a, a benefit to doing what you're doing. Like mm. for me right now, you know, it's not that I hate my job. It's I want to know if I can do something more. So experimenting with photography with a pod, like I've never done this mm. before. Like you know what I mean? I've never done this on my own before, where I'm doing a podcast, right? And you know, doing this, right? So for me, if this venture gets me away from my day job i'm 100 percent going to be doing it but can i go back to doing what i normally do yeah yeah you know what i mean at the end of the day it's for me it's the mentality it's like am i capable of doing this if the answer mm-hmm. is yes cool i'm okay with you know if i don't get success from it i'm okay with knowing that i'm able to do something that i have no idea i had no business in doing yeah, you know I mean? it's going for it's taking your shot. Yeah, really. Exactly. And yeah, I mean, and and mind you, like it's not like um, it's not like I, I quit recklessly. It's not one of those movie moments where I'm just like, oh, Drops screw this. Yeah, am I allowed to swear on this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not like I was like, oh, fuck everything. I'm done. No, like I was working on these little side projects and what eventually became resolved but you know that's a very iterative process like it was morphing and changing but I, me and jackson were doing that while working full-time for a couple of years so you had a process yeah it was happening concurrently it just got to a point where i knew that, you know at a certain point i'm like okay i can't continue to work a full-time job and do this at the same time exactly. it's killing me and going back to mental health like at the time i'm like i need at some point to make a call of like, at what point am I going to transition? Cause at the end of the day, you're going to experience burnout. Exactly. And I was going towards, um, towards that place. And so once I, and I did it very thoughtfully, like I, I financially, I thought about, okay, how do I set myself up where I can do this and not like be, you know, a starving artist, quote unquote, like I yeah. want to do it in a, in a way where it made sense. And so I, you know, I planned it out for over six months. That's good, man. Yeah. Um, and almost a year actually. And I, I kept my, my team and the people that I reported to at RBC, like in the loop and I, cause I was very good with them. And so it wasn't like a two weeks notice thing. It was like, Hey, yeah. like this is going to happen at some point next year. I'm going to keep you updated as I find out better timing, but probably by June, July, like I'm going to be leaving FYI. And they're like, okay, cool. Yeah, um, it's good. It's good that you have a, a, a supportive team, mm, you know, on your full time job. Yeah. Before you even decide to leave right because yeah. it was the same when i left nike mm-hmm. when i was working for nike it was a retail store but i was there for like four years but when i told him like hey i'm quitting to do personal training I'm like okay no problem like as long as you you know you do you and you're good mm-hmm. let us know when 
right? And I was like, okay, cool. Well, it's going to be a couple weeks. So, yeah. You know, and they're like very supportive and that's what you need. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you are going to be into unknown trenches. Yeah. Right. So you need someone and people to guide you and be like, yeah, you're good. Like, let us know what you need. Yeah. We'll help you out and you're still part of this team. Yeah. You never want to burn bridges. Like, you know, exactly. Especially when you have good people around you, whether it's colleagues or, or bosses and managers or whatever it is. Yeah. If they support you, you want to do them right. Exactly. Um, so yeah, at that time, so that's what happened and, and I quit and I went into it. And to be honest, I had a very good mindset at that time going into it. So my mental health was in a good place. Um, but then over the course of the following year, 2019, because I quit in the middle of 2018, Resolve was born by the end of that year and then really was starting to build Resolve in 2019. Um, and then especially going into this year, um, obviously COVID has a huge impact on this ride and the journey, but yeah. even notwithstanding, like even without COVID, it would have still been a very hard year for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. COVID just layered on top and made things that much worse. But it's been to answer your original question around how it's been in, in mental health. It's been extremely hard. I'm going to just be very open and candid about that. It's been fucking hard. And this, this year has been probably one of the hardest years of my life. Yeah. To be very honest. Um, it really put a lot of things to the test and, um, all parts of my life were tested. Literally all parts like business, um, relationships in my life, friends, family, my, yeah um relationships in my life friends family and even myself my own health my own physical health my mental health every main pillar of my life was tested and um i i went into a bad place for pretty much like 10 months out of the year and i only started to come out of it going into like the fall and really last month november was the best month that i've had um the whole year it was shit before that for the first 10 months november is when things really turned around and now i'm in a much much better place but people see everything on the outside right as with anything and the, the the picture that's painted can be very pretty but um behind the scenes there's a lot of ups and a lot of downs and i think Especially when you start something of your own, your own project, whether that be a business or anything where you put your all into it and there's a lot riding on it, not just money, but just your energy and your time yeah. um, and, and your fire and the passion you have. The highs are high and the lows are low. Yeah. And when so you get low, you get low. You get low. And, but you have to basically understand and accept and embrace that that is a part of the process. It's, it's never going to be a nice, consistent flat line. Or a nice yeah. little incline. Exactly. It's going to be up and down, and you're going to be on this emotional roller coaster for as long as you choose to do this. Yeah, and you have to basically embrace it, and so you have to understand that, you know, especially for someone like me, where I I hold myself to a high standard, where I have um, my routines in place, and that you know I need to get my workouts in, and all those kinds of things. And when you have a bad week, like you beat yourself up, you're like, oh, I, oh, I, sure. I, I missed like three workouts this week. I, I slept in four days. Um, you know, I didn't get the sleep that I wanted or my diet took a hit or whatever it is. And you're going to have bad weeks and you just have to accept that 
there's going to be some shitty weeks and there's going to be some good weeks and that's just it. Yeah. And you can't have, you know, nine out of 10 weeks be all amazing. Um, as long as you have that understanding, you can manage the ups and the downs because that kind of an emotional roller coaster is very taxing on someone's mental health. Oh, for sure. Now, you know, with, with that said, you said you had a, a rough 10 months like this year. What, what was your, I guess, process? Did you, have somebody to talk to did you have a therapist because i know for me when i go through these things right like i had a couple of friends that i that i would talk to because you know i had my ups and downs this year too uh break up and you know ended a three-year relationship with this girl right and for me yes i would talk to some people i would talk to some friends about it you know make myself feel better what actually came of it was this podcast if oh, that breakup didn't happen, this podcast wouldn't have happened, right? There you go. For me, it was, I'm an internal person, so I'm not one to speak to a therapist about how I feel. Um, I more look internally and fix it, fix the problem and see what it is and really work myself in. Now, that's how I deal with my mental health, where... I would beat myself up and I'm the enemy. I accept all faults. I accept all responsibility for everything. What's your mentality? Like, what was your, I guess, escape during, you know, the 10 months that you were mm. in that dark place? So for me, I'm also very internal like you, where I deal with it sort of on my own and I have certain processes, um, within that internal way of dealing with it, which I'll get into in a, in a second, but in the last over the last like maybe two three years i have made it a point to get better at externalizing and speaking to people because you have to first ask yourself why do you deal with it internally only and not by speaking to others as long as you have the right reasons for it if it's because you have an ego or you don't you don't want to show your emotion or you don't want to be hurt if it's a defensive thing that's not necessarily always the healthiest. Yeah. Now, if you deal with it internally because that's just what works for you and that's just what you prefer and there's no other unproductive sort of reasons behind it, that's cool. But for me, I'm introverted and I do a lot of things like internally, like you said. But also the reason why I wasn't sharing my emotions and my feelings and what I'm going through is because that's just not how I was conditioned. And yeah. I just, <clears throat> I just grew, I just lived my most of my adult life. And even as a kid, just not really sharing my emotions or not opening up to people about it. And as I got older, I'm like, I need to work on this part of me. Um, now, you know, I'm not going to go and share things with anyone, but there are people in my life that I'm sure I could start to open up to and share. And it'll only benefit me anyways. It's going to help. Exactly. So there was a bit of a hybrid, I guess for me, it was a bit of both. I, I was seeing a therapist for a good chunk of the year. Um, and it helped, but therapy is very expensive. And, you know, at the end of the day, it, it definitely helped. But to me, there's a lot of other techniques and methods that I would use before getting to that place. Like therapy to me is like that nice to have cherry on top bonus feature. Like it's not what I'm depending on because let's be honest, like an hour a week is hardly enough to solve your fucking exactly. problems, right? Like exactly at best an hour a week, like how, and this person speaks to like, you know, 15 other people, like 
it's good to have a third party who's objective and not your friend or your or your family or something where they're unbiased for sure. But the the frequency and the quantity that, of time that you get, it's not enough. Yeah. Unless you can afford to see a therapist, like you know, several times a week or, or something, or do long sessions. Exactly, <clears throat> and that's that's where it is too. Is as accessible as therapy mm. is, as they you know make it out to be. And it is. It's very accessible. It's one phone call away, right? Yeah. Set something up. But it's not accessible in terms of cost, mm. right? So for me, I never had that. I was like, oh, man, I have the money to go to the therapist, so I'm just going to do that. I had to learn how to, you know, talk to myself. Yeah. Self-therapy is yeah. a big thing. Yeah. I had to yeah. learn. And it was like either I worked out, either I played games and, you know, thought and like just release my mind mm. or or this podcast where I'm just talking to myself and really if you listen to the first few episodes of this podcast you can hear it in my voice that I'm fucking crying right like you yeah. know what I mean it's yeah. like it was I needed that release and I guess going back to what you said it was the way we were conditioned right it's like as men we're not seen as emotional people mm-hmm we're not see, we're not supposed to be You're, yeah we're not supposed to be we're supposed to be robots yeah like never showing weakness i guess yeah. even though we all have weaknesses <laughs> exactly and it, it was for me it was that and it was like but i i was also i'm also an empathetic person mm. like i grew up with i'm the only boy in my family right so mm. i guess i got you know that 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 female side that soft side where i'm comfortable expressing my emotions to people mm. and but i was never comfortable to express my problems with people and i guess now i'm learning to differentiate mm. learning to emote and learning to express the problems right because right? before i would always see it as a, as a as a similar thing as a one thing the problems is your emotions now it's like oh you know this is how i feel and this is the problem as to what. That's a very interesting and effective way to look at it because you're right. It's not, it's good to make that difference instead of combining it all into one thing. It's like, yeah. here's what's happening and then here's how it's making me feel. Yeah. And those like are two I, different things. Like I learned how to compartmentalize, mm. right? Because it was like, I wanted to express how I felt, but I didn't want someone to know why I felt this way because it's like, I need to solve the why I felt this way on my own, but I also just need to release this emotion because this emotion is going to bottle up and it's going to explode into something unhealthy, right? So if I just released how I felt, I can do that, be good with it, and not have that bottle up. But now I can think more clearly about how to solve the problem as to why I felt that way. Mm-hmm. Right. So for me, the, that kind of therapy really helped. And it, again, with this podcast, it was like me talking to myself, like, this is why you're feeling this way. And now you gotta, you know, you're releasing it in, in this, in this platform. But at the same time, I'm also figuring out why I'm feeling this way. Right. So it was more. It, it was very therapeutic, mm. right? And especially with the gyms being closed, fucking home workout can only do so much for you. You know what I mean? 
and and yep. people don't realize how how beneficial a workout yeah can be to your mental health yeah you know like i see you've been boxing more yeah like i see that like how how's that been it so that was like the first step in my sort of coming out of the shit of the 10 months out of the year and yeah. so if i back up a little bit before that um i agree at 100 percent. and for me to be able to deal with problems and stress and anxiety and especially the ones that would come along with starting and running and growing a business <clears throat> i had my internal systems in place and so for me that was rut- morning routine and my morning routine was anchored around a workout so in the mornings i would um you know pre-covid i would go to good life with a buddy of mine bang out a really solid workout and and that workout is meditative in it in its own right because for sure when i'm in the gym i have my music in like i'm just hyper focused on just my body and you know lifting the weight or doing the movement um and the blood's flowing and all those things or if i you know in the warmer months if i went for a run if i'm biking same thing like i have usually i have the same songs playing yeah one to three songs on loop and you just get into this state of like you know really it's meditation and so while you're physically you know exercising your body so workout in some form or fashion whether it's lifting or otherwise was very important for me and so there's that and then i would have my meditation in the morning as well and journaling and um uh and, and those were some of the key parts of my process and that if i can get that in you know for most of the week I'm just in a much better position to handle all the things that are coming at me, just life, right? Yeah. Business, whatever. Um, now, as soon as the gyms closed and like the quarantine and everything kicked in in March, that's when that was the spark. That was the start of like the downfall, if you will, for me. <laughs> yeah. Cause as soon as the gyms closed and I couldn't get up and go to the gym, it just threw off my routine in the mornings. And, and, and the thing is, it was a it was a double down effect because those are the things that I did to be able to manage my stress and all that stuff. But the thing is, those things are now kind of crumbling. And while that's happening, there's also a pandemic which is affecting my business. So yeah. the stress around that shot up, and the systems I had in place to manage stress were also not able to be employed. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> it's like my 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 stress management systems are strum- are, are struggling while the stress is also like shooting up and yeah. it's this vicious cycle that feeds itself. And so that's why the year got really hard and all the things that I have these internal systems to manage my stress and my and to keep my mental health in a good place, I couldn't do. And so the business, you know, in the, in the thick of it in March, April and May, yeah, things were tough, but things got better. Luckily for us, we're blessed to say that things did get better for the business. But I got caught in this loop of, you know, I just let myself go. As soon as the workouts went, yeah. my mental health started to get affected. My sleep started to get affected. Then yeah. my diet got affected. Next thing you know, I, you know, the, the quarantine 15 was like legit for me. I gained like all this weight. I just didn't feel good. I didn't look good. I was out of shape. My mind was just like, I, by the time July hit, that was the peak of my mental health issues. And I, and I know that I, I had cycled in and out of cycles of mild depression throughout the year. You know, getting up yeah. in the morning became difficult. I just didn't, I just didn't have the energy or the willpower to just face the day, um, at points where it was really bad. <clears throat> and then in July, you know, I started to suffer from insomnia, like for the first time, like 
I have, I've always struggled with sleep quality, yeah. but I've never had problems falling asleep. And for the first time, like I couldn't fall asleep. And then once I did, I would wake up in the middle of the night, like five to six times. And these aren't yeah. mild awakenings where you're kind of like half asleep, like, oh, and then you go back to sleep. Like I, it's, let's say it's like three in the morning. I would, my eyes would just shoot open and like my heart is racing. My mind is racing. Like it, it felt like I just stepped out of like a meeting. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's like full blown. My mind is like, at a hundred miles a minute, as or soon it's as, like, yeah, it's just like you you wake up and it's like fuck, I'm late for school. Yeah, and it's I'm like late for fucking work. Yeah, or or something. Yeah, it's one of those things, and it's like you look over and it's like two in the morning, and yeah. this happened, you know, several times throughout the night. So I at that point, I'm like, okay, fuck, like I need to do some reassessment here because I am. I knew that I was heading towards a burnout, and I've I burned out before, and it's a very rough thing to go through. It takes weeks so to recover from a burnout. It's not fun. And so I felt, I knew, I'm like, I need to do something here. I need to make a change. Yeah. Um, because this is at the point where I'm, there's physical effects, like there's physiological things happening where I can't sleep and I can't think straight and, and I couldn't shut my mind off. So I took a week off in August to go to BC. Um, yeah. And this is, I basically did a seven day off the grid. And I've never done that before. Like even vacations and things where I travel, even if I'm not working, like sure, I may check email here and there, but even if I'm not, I'm still connected to like my regular life. Like I'm still on Instagram. I'm on WhatsApp. I'm texting friends back home. I'm still connected um, to life back at home. And so I, you know, I read up a lot on people who do this. A lot of entrepreneurs um, do this kind of thing, you know, once a quarter or something where they do a full unplug. And I'm like, I want to try this. And so I wanted to be in nature. I wanted to do, I wasn't trying to get away to like party. I'm like, I made it very clear. I'm like, I'm going to go to BC. I've always wanted to go. Um, the trails had opened up. This is like August. So I'm like, I'm going to go do a bunch of hiking. I'm going to get up early. I'm going to work out. I'm just going to like really just focus on my health all, all around physical, yeah. mental. And so I planned it out in a way where I wouldn't be needed at work. Like I had set it up. It's just seven days. And I told people, I'm like, literally, I'm not going to be reachable. If it's like life or death, call me. That's the only thing I can do is receive calls. Yeah. I disabled all of my apps. <clears throat> I turned off my WhatsApp. I turned off my Instagram. I turned off Slack and all the apps that I would use for work or personal life. And I only told my mom where I was going. I didn't even tell people. I'm like, I, I really wanted it to be like a, like a, I am turning off my life temporarily to just go and be, just to exist. And those seven days, it was a complete 180. Like I got the best sleep I've ever gotten in a long time. You know, I, I would get up at like six. I rented a bike there and I would just, it was just exercise and meditating and and nature and nature and when you shut off all of those inputs you have no choice but to be present because there's nothing to think about it exactly. took about a day to adjust but if you think about it 99 percent of the things in our minds and all the clutter in your brain is externally sourced it's inputs yeah. coming in from your email your phone your messages people coming at you the guy at the at the tim horns was rude to you you're driving someone cut you off yep. you know good or bad a lot of what is affecting your mind is our cu- inputs coming from the outside world if you shut all those inputs off for even seven days you will be so present and you just you're gonna look around and you'll be like cool like there's some tr- there's a tree there and i'm just here yeah. <laughs> like there's nothing to really wander off in your brain so that was amazing and that was the first major step that i took to sort of recover from this year and then i came back and i said you know i'm not gonna 
I'm not going to jump back into it zero to hundred. I'm going to, you know, slow, I'm going to ease back into my life and keep a slow pace, um, which I did, but uh, you know, it, it's tough. Like a few weeks went by and I can feel myself picking up the pace again. I'm like, Oh, I'm yeah. going back to my old ways. Like in my calendar is, you know, there's barely any white space in my calendar. Yeah. I, I, um, I can feel myself kind of gearing up, but it was nothing nearly as bad as like, those first six or seven months like july was like the peak of it of the of my stress and my mental health issues after bc coming back things had gotten better and then in october my aunt passed away was very close to and when that happened that was like a switch just kind of flips like everything stops right yeah when you go through something like that everything is just noise and it just you don't even think twice about all the problems in your life. Like you're yeah. just focused on this event that is right now taking place in your life. Someone close to you has passed away. You have to be there for your family and you have to deal with what's happening and process it and, and manage this thing. And a lot of lessons came and you know, I did a lot of reflecting and thinking a lot of introspective, you know, work and basically all the things that I knew I had to do, you know, a lot of us like, you know what you're supposed to do in your subconscious mind. Like, you know, if you're going down a bad path, you had a breakup or, or this or that, you know, like what you should do, but you yeah. never take your own advice. Exactly. You never practice. Even, even exactly. though, you know, in the back of your mind, like, you know, what is the right thing to do here, but you just don't do it. Yeah. So BC helped me kind of really kick myself into gear where I was like, what came out of BC was I'm like, man, JP, you've just been a really shitty person to yourself. Like you've just been neglecting yourself. You haven't been giving yourself the time and the space and the energy. You've just been putting it, pouring it into your business, pouring it into other people and business relationships and other relationships. And you've just been really selfish to you. Yeah. But when my aunt died, it really like my mindset, it just kicked me into this gear where it's like, you really need to fully commit to you again, not yeah. half-ass it, not kind of do it a bit here and there. Like, the only thing that should matter in the next, you know, one, two, three months is about getting yourself back to where you were, getting your mind right, your physical health right. Exactly. Um, and, and being there for your family and all of those things. And so ever since then, she passed away on October 17th. Now it's like December 12th. And it's funny when people ask me, especially a few weeks after it had happened, like, how are you? How are things going? And I'm like, honestly, no, like in, in November, I'm like, this is the best I felt in a long time. And it sounds weird because it's like you just yeah. lost someone. You're very, I'm like, yeah, I'm, of course, I'm still sad about the loss and I'm mourning and I'm in that process. But I'm I'm reacting to it. I'm dealing with it in a much better place than I would have maybe four months ago. In a healthier manner. In a healthier manner. So like you were saying earlier, like there's there's the issue or the problem or the event. And then there's how you feel about it. Yeah. And I think I'm finally getting back to a place where I can react and deal with things in the right way, in the healthy, productive way that I should be. And the reason why is because I am hyper-focused right now, Jay, on like just the core habits for me that I need to complete every day are based around movement, uh, some kind of working out. And so I signed up for boxing right after um, BC because as a way to keep me accountable with my trainer. And it yeah. was... Start slow, one, two sessions a week. Now I'm working out four times a week. I'm doing mobility and movement almost every day, uh, meditating. And I started to build and layer these personal habits. And to me, nothing else matters. If nothing else gets done, but I got those seven or eight things for me done, that's a win of that day is a win for me. For sure. And it was, I just had to switch my mindset and be like, 
stop letting your outside world, which a big part of it for me was resolve and other things. It's like, don't let those things consume who you are and lose yourself in it. Yeah. Cause when shit hits the fan, like a global pandemic or someone you love, you lose. You're, you get lost. You, yeah, you're going to get fucked. Yeah. <laughs> right? You're not going to be able to handle it. You're not going to be able to deal with it the right way. Exactly. So now, like, my mental health and my physical health, which, like you said, are very interrelated, just my holistic health, really, is my only priority and focus. And then, and then family. I need to take care of myself and then I can be there more available for family and be present in their lives. Everything else is noise. Yeah. Because it comes after. It's like, it's like, the airplane scenario, right? When the uh, gas masks come on, <laughs> you have to put yourself on first. Mm-hmm. You have to put that thing on yourself first because exactly. you won't be able to take care of that person yep. if you know you take care of them. Or you won't be able to take care of yourself and others, mm-hmm. right? If you focus on other things first, right? So you have to focus on you <coughs> before you can handle other things, yep. right? And, you know, it's funny when you said that um, you went to BC to shut off and 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 just be away to kind of reset yourself because mm. I was reading this book or listening to this book. It's called Peak Performance. And I've mentioned this a lot on this podcast and it's actually my favorite thing because it talks about top athletes and how they are able to perform. One example that I really liked was this uh, runner from the 80s. He was trying to break the four-minute mile. Before him, it was impossible. Scientists, you know, were, were saying that you can't do that mm. because it's physically impossible. <laughs> and he would train and train and train and just get close. 402, 403, 401, right? But he could never break four minutes until he decided to shut off and go on a hike for like seven days or two weeks and not train. And then when he got back, he didn't, he still didn't train as hard. He would train occasionally and like ease his way in and then come race day he didn't even train hard beforehand right come race day he would be in a good pace and then you know as as it's coming close people are like start to cheer because all of a sudden he's like picking up the pace Mm. next thing you know he beats his four minute mile yeah he beats a world record that was beforehand unthinkable deemed impossible exactly he hit Three minutes and 59 seconds or something like that, right? Which is, yeah, it's one second, but if you really think about it, running, a second counts, right? Huge. It's big. It's a big mile, Mm. right? So, you know, setting back with what you said, just to escape from reality, escape from your focus, because you get blindsided, right? Your tunnel vision, but then you don't realize there's a whole world around you. Mm-hmm. And then that whole world, the center of it is you. As as selfish as that sounds, people need to be more selfish, not in a bad way, but like in a way where they put themselves first in order to make other people feel better or, or better their world around them. Yeah. Right? And that w- that's another thing. Like that just made me realize more it's like maybe we do just need to step back from what we think is our world to really just you know step back and fix us yeah 
and then we can make our world even better. Especially now, because <clears throat> our world these days is a very distracting place. Oh man! Like our world, as you call it, it's it's full of distractions, and so yep. it's the same concept that you described with the four minute mile and the runner. Where he was trying to achieve something, you know, physically, um, but it could be anything. But a lot of the barriers that we face in today's world, they're mental barriers that we've oh. imposed on ourselves by exposing ourselves to so many inputs and distractions. Yeah. And it's subconscious, man. Like, you know, just for example, my, my, my routines in the morning, uh, on Monday to Friday when I'm working, right? <clears throat> so I get up and I finish my morning routine, my, my workout, my meditation, my journaling, all that stuff. And then I sit down to work and I spend the first 90 minutes of the work day. So let's say I'm starting at 8.39 after my workout and all that stuff. I focus on my top one or two items that I have to get done for that day or for that week. My, I call them my priority one, my P1 items. Yeah. Um, it's, if I get that done, to me, that day is a win and like all the other stuff can whatever. I can get yeah, to it. can wait. And so when I start that really important thing, I don't check my messages or my email. I don't even look at it. Nice. I, so by the time I actually end up getting on with my day, as people would traditionally think about it, which is, you know, you check your email, you check your messages, you respond. I don't start that process till about 11 a.m. Oh, shit. Yeah, because I, I don't even like expose myself to the outside world, <clears throat> which obviously is digital for, mo for most of us yeah. at this point. I'm working from home and all that. I don't expose myself to the outside world and to my email and to people who need my attention till about 11 most days. Um, because it's just undistracted, hyper focused work yeah. uh, to get the top things done that day. Because your mind is fresh when you wake up. You had a good night's sleep. You wake up, especially if you got a morning workout in, you're primed, you're mental, you're, you know, flow state. Yeah. It's in sports and, and, and creating, yeah. like, getting into flow state. That's how you maximize your chances of getting into a state of flow. Is you wake up, you move your body, you do those things that are good for you to get you into that state in the morning, and then you get to work, and you don't distract your mind. You don't clutter it with inputs coming from the outside world. So then, because at the end of the day, like, what does it matter if I respond to an email at 9 or 11? Like, it's not going to make exactly. any... There's nothing that... You know, I'm not a surgeon here. Like, I'm not saving <laughs> lives and performing, you know, life-saving surgery. Like, yeah. no one needs to page me and <laughs> get a hold of me between 9 and 11. Like, I can wait till 11 and then i then i start going through you know sifting through emails and messages and responding and the reason is even if you don't like actively respond just looking at things and as soon as it's in your head it's in it's your subconscious in your it's gonna affect so that runner is the same thing it's gonna affect his performance as he's trying to beat this four minute mile because there's just inputs in his brain from exactly from other things and so being able to unplug from that yeah, I took a drastic step by going to BC, but then I try and take that approach in my day to day and yeah. integrate it day to day. So it's like, you know, I don't have the luxury like most of us to just get away and fuck off for seven days all the time. Exactly. Shit to do, but in 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 a day to day approach, yeah, in the mornings, I um, that's really important to me is is minimizing the inputs, man. You just you want to be in control of your life, like of you course. don't want all this noise around you starting to dictate how you react to things and control you. Because there's your subconscious is just overflowing with your Instagram feed that, you know, you might scroll on it for 30 seconds, but that you're putting stuff in your brain, whether you like yep. it or not. And, yep. you know, like, and it's distracting. Like <laughs> it's you distracting. Said. Yeah. And, it, you know, we were going back with what you said. It's we right now in this society, there's this dangerous virus 
right? Yep. And what that virus is, is urgency, mm-hmm. right? We have this in our brains where if you get a text message, if you get an email work related, it's urgent. You got to respond. You, you have to. Yeah. Otherwise, oh my God, I'm a bad employee or I'm a bad boss. But that's not the case. Like you said, we're not saving lives. Like, you know what I mean? We're not, you know, things can wait. Right. And I feel like it's, it's this whole hustle culture. It's this whole, you have to grind every single day is a priority. Every single day, you got to be fucking busy. Otherwise, you're a loser. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, shout out to Gary V because he prioritized that, but people made it to an extreme. And I think him as an entrepreneur, it's like, yeah, you have to hustle, but you know, you have other priorities as well. When it comes to work time, work. Yes. Right. But he's not talking about grind until you're fucking dead. Yeah. Don't grind like 18 hours a day and not sleep. Yeah. I don't believe in that mentality at all. You know, and, and people have that where it's like, Oh, if you're, if you're not working on your side hustle every single day, then you're a failure. You're going to fail. I was like, dude, we're in our twenties. Yeah. Early thirties. Yeah. What are we rushing for? Yeah. Am I rushing to die? Like, yeah. What am I rushing for? Whose money am I trying to build? My family? That's going to happen. And your, and in your mental health too, because taking that approach is a very short sighted, short term view. Oh, yeah. You might make some progress in a month by grinding it out every single day, but over the long term, it's not a sustainable. No, man. Cause like, when I was working for Nike, I had a second job at a gym. I was actually working day and night three times a week. And then, on the weekend, I would work as well. Now, mind you, my life that back then was a lot easier. But just that point of working eight to ten hours during the day, and then going to an overnight shift mm-hmm. for six hours, and then having to work out, and then going home to do the same thing the next day. For I burnt out. Mm. I did that for six months, and then I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna go away for ten days." Went to keep it for 10 days, came back, did the same exact thing for six months. Yep. And I was like, yo, this is ridiculous. I'm going to go back to Cuba for like another 12 days. Yeah. So I did that and I was like, okay, cool. Maybe this is not the way. The money was good, but it was like my mental health. I was aggressive. I was mm. irritable. Yep. You know what I mean? I was just like super stressed and everything was just like, no, fuck off. Like I was just mean. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, it wasn't good. Right. So this idea of hustling all the time, how do you feel about that as an entrepreneur, you know, with what you said already mm. and especially now with COVID? Because I think it's worse now. Yeah. Right. I think that mindset is worse now because people have the idea of, listen, you're at home, you're quarantined. If you're not working on yourself, you know, then what the fuck's wrong with you? If you're not working <laughs> your side hustle, you're fucking at home. You're lazy. You're lazy. You're yeah. a failure. If you're not working, yeah. you have all this time. You're not going anywhere. Everything's closed. Yeah. You got to work on yourself. What yeah. the fuck's the matter with you if you're yeah. not doing that? Yeah. And I think that mentality is so dangerous. And especially with kids now, kids now are focused on, on that. They're just like, Oh, I got to grind. I got to hustle. I got to do this. It's like, okay, but also be a fucking kid. Mm. I had a very similar conversation last night with my cousin who's 10 years younger than me. Yeah. He's 21. And he's in that same boat of like grinding and hustling and da da da. And I'm like, 
why are you going so hard? Why are you so impatient? Like, what are you in a rush to yeah, do? Yeah, like, and he's like, man, he's like, I'm, he's like, one of my fears is I'm afraid, of, I always feel like he has a sense of like, he always feels that he's running out of time. And I'm like, yeah. running out of time? To do what? Bro, you're 21. <laughs> like, I, I appreciate that you have a good mentality of like, you want to get shit done and you have, yeah. you have goals and targets. That's good. You're not just wasting your time. Don't waste your time. But you, you're going to lose more in the long term by putting all this pressure on yourself now for some short term gains. It's exactly. not worth the, the, the mental health cost. Exactly. And so to answer, yeah, your question, the, the whole hustling and grinding thing, especially when it comes to like entrepreneurship or starting something of your own, I think is extremely overrated and, and romanticized and like glorified. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> People think that. It's about quantity, but it's always quality over quantity. Always, yeah. always. And so this whole idea of like being busy, always being busy is a self-imposed construct, in my opinion. If you're managing your time well and you pri- and you have the ability to prioritize and manage your time, you should be able to get, like I was saying earlier, those top one to three priority items done this week exactly. and still have time to relax to have a dinner with someone to catch up with someone over coffee to do your um, hobbies yeah the and to and stuff. to and to unwind and to recharge so you should be able to have spurts of like hyper focus hard work grind yeah and which is then offset by times of de-stress and that could be for you you know smoking some weed and watching netflix for a couple of hours on friday night exactly it might be uh grabbing uh, going on a date night with your girl or your guy or, or whatever it might be, right? Taking a quick, you know, visiting home or something for the weekend. Yeah. But like that, that's a skill set. <clears throat> yeah. I think that in entrepreneurship, the whole like work hard and put in the work and the grind, that's a given. That's a prerequisite. Like, yeah. of course you need to be putting in the work and the grind. I think based on my experiences and especially how the last year has been and how hard it has been for me. Which we talked about earlier, I think the what separates the people that make it, quote unquote, or come out of this thing alive, uh, successful, however you want to define that, are the people that have resilience. Yeah, I think that is the key number one. I would say skill you need to have to succeed in entrepreneurship. Of it's course. not about your your ability to work hard. Or your tenacity to like, you know, work long hours or whatever. Like a lot of us these days have that and, and you can do that. Really, I think what separates the winners from the losers, uh, which sounds harsh, but I, I think it's resilience. I think it's yeah. the people that can actually one, tough it out through the hard times. When things are great, things are great. Yeah. But can you still work hard and can you still manage your time and can you still maintain a good, healthy, uh, state of mind? Can you still maintain good mental health? maintain good relationships in your life, still do all the things that you should be doing as a good person, as a good human in this world, while still moving your business forward when it's shit is hitting the fan. If you can do all of that, you're going to make it. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, because people have this idea and they they mix up the two all the time, right? mm. With this hustle and grind culture, which I also think is pathetic and (laughs) overrated. Yeah. People think they get busyness and productivity confused. Yeah. You can be fucking busy, but what are you busy doing? Yeah. 
are you actually progressing something yeah. in your business or are you just fucking busy to look busy on yeah. your brand? And, and how are your relationships in your life right now? Yeah. Right. W- with that busyness that you have, like how are those, how, how is that going? How's your health? How's your physical? Like being effective in life isn't about just being busy doing work. Being effective in life is about having good physical health, good mental health, yeah. the, having a, a few, a handful of really good, deep, meaningful relationships in your life. And then having other connections in your life that are real, productive, yeah. value adding. And then your work, of course, whether that's your career, your day job, your business, whatever your work is for you, you should be doing well and pushing it forward. It's so it's an all rounded thing. Exactly. Right. And I think, like you said, this whole being busy and always working thing is like romanticized and um, it's a big part of the mental health problem, I think. And not everybody's cut out to do that shit. Yeah. Which you have to understand and embrace. Yeah. And like I, I was saying earlier, it's also a skill. Like you don't just wake up and be, you know, become an entrepreneur. Yeah. I'm quoting this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. For people that can't see. <laughs> like it's, it's a skill you develop and hone over time and you get better at it. And that's the, that applies to business and other areas of life. Like one of my core values is actually resilience. Yeah. And my aunt that passed away that I'd mentioned earlier, she was one of the most resilient women I know. Immigrant, you know, lit woman came, raised two daughters, like, worked crazy you know hard and and went through a lot of tough times and she was resilient in her ways in in that part of her life um coming to this country and you know it's crazy escaping a war-torn country i'm being resilient in uh with my business but also dealing with um personal issues or the loss that i went through or whatever but at the end of the day the the skill set of resilience it's far more important than being able to work all the time or work yeah. hard. It's and about so how you handle things. It's about how you handle things and how you react to the things that are happening around you. And yeah. working hard is just one part of that. It's not everything. It's a given. Yeah. And people take the working hard part and being busy as like, that's the core attribute. Like, that's what I need to focus. That's what matters. Like, no, no, that's one piece. Of yeah. course, work hard. Of course, you know, put in the time. But you're not going to be an effective human being and and put out the right energy into this world and into the people in your life if you're just neglecting everything else. Yeah, because uh, I saw this thing on Instagram where somebody, it was like David Dobrik. Like, I'm not a huge fan of him, but I respect the guy for his hustle, right? Mm. This YouTuber. Mm-hmm. And he was going on this thing where he asked somebody, oh, how do I get to, how do I be successful? And the common question that he would get is, you got to work hard. You got to work. And he's like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> what does yeah. working hard mean? Because, yeah, yeah. I, I want to work hard, but it's like, how do I get, like, how do you, you know, I mean, what is that? What is working hard? Right. And as you said, it's a given. It, it's one piece of a hundred piece puzzle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And you have to figure out what the other 99 pieces are. Yeah. Because working hard, if you're, if you have all 99 pieces, but you're not working hard, that's still an incomplete puzzle. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, going with what you said, for the past three years, I was in a relationship and I ended up being comfortable. Yeah. Right? You know, it, it, it happens, right? You get comfortable and you just lose track of yourself. And then all of a sudden, we break up. And I actually, you know, as much as I love her and respect her, I actually feel better now mm. because now I'm seeing, oh, wait, I have to take care of myself again. And, what am I passionate about and what do I want to work on? Right? So I was like, let's try this. I want to be more creative and I want to express creativity and express myself in that way. So it's like, okay, so you have to 
take care of yourself in that way and find out what it is that you want. Because yeah, you can work hard, but if you're not passionate about something, that's just time wasted. Mm. Right? You're working hard, you're bleeding and sweating for for what? And a lot of the times people now with this hustle mentality, they're grinding and working hard mm. at something they don't even want to do. Yeah. Because they just want to do it to fit in. Yeah. Whereas like, you know, with what you said, um, the flow state, one of the things that me and my girl had a problem with was my my flow state. My flow state is when I'm at work. It's weird and it's ironic because it's like I'm at work getting paid, but I'm working on my side hustle because that's my least busiest time and I mm. compartmentalize. Mm. Right? So from like eight AM to ten, that's when I'm working on videos or mm. my podcasts or ideas or how do I incorporate certain things. Like that's that's my flow state is when I'm the least busiest, but I'm also concentrated. Yeah. Right? It's like little bursts, half hour here, half hour yeah. here. And then when I come home, it's like, okay, that part's done. Now it's me and you. Now this is the the the, the drawer where I have to be with you mm. and I want to be with you and or myself. And it's like, cool, this is this is the day. Right? It's not like eight eight to four is just work mm. and focus on work. And then four to fucking midnight is my other work. It's like no. No, yeah. I'm here. If I can do both, I'm gonna do both. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's it's it was a way for me to compartmentalize things and to prioritize certain certain things. Where I'm hustling, but I'm not mm. in a way. It was a weird it's a weird thing because I still do that now. Like I don't know if you see my Instagram. I'm at work and I'm like doing research for my podcast. Like I'm mm. I'm like writing down ideas yeah. and reading about articles that I'm gonna talk about on my podcast. I'm DMing people, hey, do you wanna be a guest? Do you wanna do this? Do you wanna do that? And when I get home, okay, cool. I did my work and I did my other work. Mm. Now I'm just gonna chill. Prep for the week. Yeah. Whatever it may be. Yeah. Right? Where it's I'm productive in my day, but and I'm and I'm not busy. I'm busy when I have to be. You're just very intentional with your time. That's yeah. what it comes down to. You choose how you're going to spend your time instead of letting other things dictate that for you, which yeah. then that's where your that feeling of busy comes from. And yeah. <clears throat> that's what I was saying earlier. Like when I spend those first 90 minutes or two hours of the day doing the things that I need to get done, the, the top important things without checking email. The reason for that is because that's one of the few small windows of time I'm probably going to have in that day where I'm in control 100% of how I'm directing my energy. Exactly. As soon as I start to go into the emails and all that other stuff to respond, now other people are dictating where my energy goes. I'm not because I'm now reacting to things. I'm in a reactionary state. I have to respond to you and get back to you on that thing. I need to do this because that person needs it or, or whatever it is, right? Exactly. So it's like you need to carve out that time where you are deciding how you're spending your time and where you're putting your attention and your energy. And yeah. um, that's very important. And that's the whole essence of, you know, being productive and being effective is that you're not just blindly doing things. And most yeah. of the time when you do that, it's usually in response to something external that's required of you. So yeah. it's other people's need of your attention that you're responding to, you know what I mean? Instead yeah. of doing what you need to do first. It's that sense of urgency. 
That's yeah. not even a real thing. It's like, not. it's not a fucking, like... Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> dude, like, just... If you just, you know, I mean, it's harder now because of COVID, but, like, if you were to just, like, go into a coffee shop or something, right, or a restaurant, and you just, like, people watch for, like, fucking 10 minutes, yeah, you'll see, like, it's, like, it's kind of like fucking Animal Planet, right? Like, you go <laughs> and you you watch human behavior. You just kind of yeah. observe people on their devices mm-hmm. and how they manage their relationship with their devices which yeah. is the primary vehicle through which you're interacting with a lot of your external world right yeah. especially now because we can't do a lot of in-person stuff and so you just see right it's like you might be in the middle of literally eating a nice dinner or or you might be at the coffee shop you know in the middle of like working on your project whatever that might be or you might be having a great conversation and that phone buzzes and it's like everything stops yeah and it's an immediate response and you get that hit that dopamine hit when you see that notification come in or something and you have this urge to like look at it yeah but the cost at which that comes at which is one cluttering your mind up even more and most uh the 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 worst one is interrupting yourself during a time when you need to be present and focused and it's not sometimes majority of times it's not even that that dopamine hit it's that cortisol yeah, because there's that too. There's you, that too. You get that buzz and you look at it and it's like, oh, fuck, it's work lit. Depending on the message, exactly. it could be either or. But regardless, the point is that it's, whether it's, it's a dopamine spike or, yeah, it's still a distraction and it's yeah. still a, a a emotional response, whether stress or pleasure, that you probably were better off without at that time. Like it takes you away from the present Exactly. Moment, whether right? that's a, a work that you're, thing that you're doing or a dinner you're having with someone. Like at the end of the day, you are basically letting your attention be misdirected yeah and you know with the way things are now like how fast we have to react or not well how fast we react to messages and emails and all of that it i find it so hard to see how people in the 90s or even 80s (laughs) were like yeah business like (laughs) you know what i mean yeah it's like how the fuck were these people communicating how how were things getting done when it took a week to get a, ma- a piece of mail yeah <clears throat> or like a fax yeah i think about that sometimes too like how people were doing business like things probably took like 10 times as long international business like imagine yeah that too i remember <clears throat> when i was at rbc like a few years back i was in new york um for a work trip and a friend of mine was living in new york at the time so i'm like hey i'm, I'm in town for work you want to meet up like grab dinner yeah and she's like yeah sounds great and so the day we're supposed to have our dinner the night before i lost my phone oh shit which is a whole different story and like i don't lose things i've never lost a phone it was the one and only time i ended up getting it back in new york of all places but anyways i lost my phone so the next day i'm in the hotel i'm like on like fucking my laptop like facebook messenger or like instagram or something i don't know how to like you know so messenger i'm like hey like just i lost my phone um, I'm still good for dinner. And it was the weirdest experience when you're like, okay, so I'll meet you there at like seven. I'm going to leave now and grab a cab. But between the time you close that laptop and you leave the hotel to when you see this person, there's it's no like- communication. It's radio. And I'm like, I'm getting anxiety, <laughs> you know, because yeah. we're so used to like continuing the interaction and, and updating. Oh, I'm, I'm going to be a bit late. Oh, I, the cab didn't, whatever, this, that. 
we have to basically rely on each other to not flay to show up. Trust. <laughs> right? It's like it's like, well, it's six thirty now and you know, looking at Google Maps, I gotta flag a cab or because I can't call an Uber. I don't have a fucking phone. So I gotta yeah. like do this the old fashioned way yeah. in New York. So I'm like, I gotta catch so I'm like, let's say I sh- I should be there probably in about thirty minutes. I'll see you there for around seven. After that, you're just on your own. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like on the street, I'm trying to flag this cab and I'm like checking my pockets. I'm like, oh yeah, right, I don't have my phone. And then I get in the cab and I'm like, I guess I'm just going to sit here and, and, and hopefully she's there on time and yeah. I, I'm, I get there and we meet up. And so 30 minutes, I'm just in this cab and I'm just chilling and I'm like looking around, I'm looking out the window. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, like yeah. there's all this around me that I probably wouldn't be paying attention to. You know what's so, crazy? Yeah. And this happened just in our lifetime. Yeah. When we were teenagers. That's the and thing. And we would be like, That's the thing. Yo, we're going to go to this place. We're going to meet up. You call your boy's house. Mom picks up, like, can I speak to so-and-so? And it's like, yeah. hey, like, we're going to meet here. And then and then you don't hear from them for the next 20 minutes. Like, this is how exactly. life was. And it's just like, you just don't, <laughs> you, I don't even remember what I would be doing. <laughs> right? It's like, we make plans. And then we say, okay, cool. Meet you there. Cool. And I was like, all right, what the fuck do we do in the meantime? Right. All that downtime, right? Yeah. Like, what What did we do? Like, I don't remember. Probably wasn't as distracted as we are now. Right. Because, you know, I look back to that experience and had I had my phone, I probably would have been updating her. I would have been checking my Instagram. I would have been, you know, just yeah. being plugged in. And it's like... We had more trust back then. Yeah. Like, way more trust and accountability, man. Like, yeah. it's so much harder to flake. Yeah. And to not hold to your commitments, right? Because exactly. you, literally someone's going to like make their way somewhere. Like, whereas now you'd be like, Oh, you know what? Sorry. Like last minute, you know, you can just send these messages. It's a cop out. It's so yeah. easy to just like fire off messages now and not even have to like face somebody and be like, Oh, you know what? I'm bailing on you. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> exactly. you do it through a text. Exactly. Can you use a washroom. Yeah. Yeah. We'll pause. We'll pause. All right. So getting back. Uh, yeah. Things are. Definitely more distracting now than before. You know what I mean? Mm. Because you go and work meetings a lot, like uh travel for work a lot, right? Yeah. Before COVID. Yeah. And can you imagine just in the nineties? Or can you imagine just like if you did this in twenty ten? Yeah. Or in two thousand. Yeah. Where the internet or, or, or a cell phone wasn't so common. Can you imagine just being like, Oh yeah, I'll meet you at the airport? Like I get in at ten o'clock, and then you're just there, and then because now I have anxiety when I have to travel somewhere, and someone's like, "Yeah, I'll meet you there," and I was like, Fuck, "Is this person gonna be there? Am I gonna be stranded? Yeah, am I gonna be like, yo, it's not? They're not responding. They're not responding. Like, am I gonna be stuck in this fucking place? I have no idea. Mm. You know, I don't know my, where I am. Like, can you imagine doing that back then, where you're just like, not even." worried you know what i mean like i feel now we have less trust in people than we did back in the day yeah and, it, and it's yeah. astonishing like it, it it's really worrisome and scary to think about kids that don't know any other life besides having okay. this instant connectivity to everybody because at least for us i do remember a time when it, it wasn't like this right yeah. like especially with smartphones and that instant connectivity it only happened the last like decade or so yeah right even when i was in university we had bbm like blackberry so that was like when people can really super instantly message and stuff for cheap you know with a data plan or whatever so at least i i remember the time when it was like what it was like before <clears throat> so 
these days, I make it a point where on my phone, I respond to messages, and there's so many channels now. There's fucking WhatsApp, oh, regular text, Instagram, DM. I guess no one really uses Facebook Messenger anymore, <laughs> but like, there's so many, there's so many uh, ways you can, you can, um, contact people, contact someone. And I, again, it's all about that intention with your time that we were talking about yeah. earlier. And so I'm very intentional in how and when I respond to people. So I do it in batches. Right. Yeah. Like right now on my phone, there might be like a bunch of unread messages, but like Same. I shouldn't feel a, a level of guilt or anxiety for not responding back. And and for kids, especially nowadays that are growing up with this technology, it's it's really shitty to think that people will feel bad about not responding because you feel like you're ignoring someone. It's like, no, because yeah. this is digital. Like you're telling me that like in the 90s, like people were constantly available to everybody at all times no right exactly so just because you've messaged me and yes i do have my phone on me all the time chances are i probably saw something pop up yeah. but like <clears throat> it shouldn't be interpreted as like rude or like oh this person clearly it's been four hours since i messaged them and clearly they've obviously seen their yeah, yeah. of course i have but so what <laughs> right like if it's something and this is the thing with people nowadays like calling is no longer like why do we like, phones were invented to call people exactly. now they do everything else exactly <laughs> and people i'm like if you really need to get a hold of me just call me yeah right like call me but like when it comes to messages just because you have the option and the, the ability to send out this 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 digital you know wall of text or these these string of words like to me obligated to respond that appear to on my yeah. screen like there's no obligation for me to have to address that exactly. at any given time you know and the crazy thing too is yeah that that expectation that somebody has to respond immediately i had this problem like a while ago where i'd text people i'm like oh fuck they're not responding and it's like then i start to think about it it's like you know, these people, these are adults. They have fucking lives. <laughs> like, like they're yeah. busy. They have work. Yeah, like, like exactly. You know what I mean? And it, it's a mental load, right? It's, it's, yeah. It depends on the person. Like I'm introverted, and for me, interacting with you through text messaging or, or WhatsApp or whatever, it's not that far from interacting with you in real life. Of course, yeah. it's a little bit less draining because there's the lack of like being there physically with you. Yeah, but. At the same time, like it's still it's still a drain or a tax on my energy, right? Yeah. And I'm not. It's not like I don't want to spend that energy responding to you. I will when the time is right for me. Yeah. Um. And that's something that I think people have to understand. It's like it's like we're lacking patience nowadays. Yeah. You know I mean, because exactly. I'm like you. I'd rather talk on the phone than through text because at least if we're on the phone, there's no obligation to be like, okay, I talk. Okay, now you talk, and then it's like. Mm. I'm gonna wait until you. If I'm yeah. on the phone with you, it's a conversation, and we bang it out and like that conversation, and then it's done, and it's okay, exactly. bye. Whereas with text, like if it you it's day long, you can, yeah. And so yeah. if you're trying to actually figure something out or make plans or actually, if you're if you're conversing with someone for some sort of outcome, yeah. then it's, you're probably better off calling them. It'll be much faster. Yeah. Whereas here, it's like someone's left hanging, and then you know there's delays in response. It's not the most efficient way to, to communicate. And I think what it is nowadays too is people use it as like evidence. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yo, look, you sent me this, and it's like, you know, I was waiting, whatever. So I was like, okay, but like I got busy. Yeah. If we had this conversation. Like, I feel like that's part of it too. With a text message, you, you're left with guilt. You're like, Oh shit. Yeah. I did. I did say this to someone. And now they have text proof that mm. 
that I agreed to it. Whereas before, it was just kind of like, oh shit, my bad, I forgot. And you can't, <laughs> like, you feel guilty now for just forgetting because somebody yeah. has, like, evidence on mm-hmm. you. You know what I mean? And it's, it's for me, it's just like, yeah, I'm a forgetful person sometimes. <laughs> like, I'll forget things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if I have it, I'm better off actually remembering things when I'm talking to somebody. And they're like, hey, you want to do this, this thing next week? I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I'll remember that. Hey, do you still want to do this thing next mm. week? Whereas if somebody texts me and I just read it and I'm like, okay, I forget about it. You know what I mean? Because there's no connection really. Mm. Right? It's like, I forget get shit when it gets text to me sometimes and that was a problem with like you know me and my girl sometimes i'd, I'd forget what i'd say to her <laughs> because it was mm. just through text like i'd rather call and like have a right. conversation you know it's more meaningful yeah yeah like i'm old school that way like it's yeah i'd rather talk to you on the phone or i wouldn't facetime i, I think facetime is weird like yeah. and when people facetime me it's just like yeah i don't know how i feel about this i was uh, i was exact same way until covid until this year now i've gotten used to it yeah only because it started off because when i normally am calling you just as a friend to like i don't know make plans or something i'm just gonna call you like normal yeah i wasn't a facetiming kind of person but with my work people when we Mm. could no longer meet in person we had to always you know do remote yeah. I would start to FaceTime them just because it's, you know, it's some sense of like, it feels like we're kind of virtually, you know what I mean? Like you're there. Kind yeah. Of cause like, I, cause in any other circumstances, we would have been having this conversation in the flash in, in person yeah. because we can. So I started to do the video calls for work reasons and I, I, I kind of got used to it. And yeah. so now even with some friends who are comfortable with it, like even if I'm just having a quick catch up call, I haven't spoken to you in a bit, I'll do like a video call. And for me, the video call isn't my default. If I'm going to call you, I'm just going to call you. I only do yeah. a video call if I know that this would have probably normally have been an in-person meetup. Yeah. But we can't do it. So yeah. I'm going to video call you in place of it. That's how I look at the video call. But I was weirded out by it too for the longest time. Yeah, because it's like, <laughs> like, I want to like, oh, hey, yeah, like holding it up like to my face. Yeah, like, like I could never do that in public. Like yeah, I, exactly. When I do my video calls, like I do it in my car or like at my at my desk. Exactly. Like I see people like walking around like in the grocery store, like FaceTiming. I'm like, this is kind of weird. On the bus, man, like, <laughs> I'll see people on the subway. I'm like, first of all, how do you get signal yeah. down here? And you're on like I'm looking at your screen. There's somebody there. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> your conversation. Yeah. And what's weirder now too is people with a video call and I and I overlook it. They're like, they're not. The phone's not even facing them. The person that they're video calling, it's not even on. Like, you can't even see them. So, like, why, why don't you just call the person? Yeah. You know, like, instead of this video thing, it's like yeah. a weird thing. Like, even I tried streaming, right? Like, I'm streaming and having a camera on and, like, looking at people. And it's like people watching me do something. Like, I think that's weird. Mm. Right? But I still do it because it's, I'm trying to grow in that industry, in that right. field. Right. Um, even, like, fucking YouTube. When I started doing YouTube videos, I was like, this feels kind of weird. But like, it takes a little getting used to. It's like, yeah, like, like TV, it's like you're speaking into a camera. Yeah, like yeah. I'm kind of used to it because it's the same thing with this podcast, right? Like before I had guests, I was talking myself. You mm. know what I mean? And like I'm kind of used to it, but that whole phone FaceTime video thing, it's like, to me, that's more weird than talking to a camera with nobody there. Mm. You know what I mean? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. Well, done about an hour and a half here. 
And is there anything else you want to say? Um, we've covered a lot of topics. We did. Um, a lot of stuff that is like close to me. Like a lot of the stuff we covered is stuff that I think about a lot and yeah. often, and I like it. Just like kind of resonates with me. So it's good. We covered a lot of ground. Um, in that respect, but I don't know if there's any other topics or questions you like, have. I can. What are your thoughts on on like taking drugs to <laughs> to yeah. I guess better oneself? Because there's a lot of talk about it, right? Like people, yep. you know, when it comes down to shrooms, before back in the day, like the ta- the, the the conversation was, oh man, take shrooms and see fucking dragons and shit. <laughs> like now it's like you take shrooms. To reflect on yourself. Yeah. You take, yeah. You know, DMT to reflect on yourself. Before, you know, the conversation that I would have with people is like, oh, you, you take these psychedelics to see, see dragons and unicorns yeah. and cool shit. Yeah. Whereas now I see the focus on it was, is, um, self reflection. So I think a lot of people are now are getting into that wave of self reflecting, right? Where personally, I never, needed those drugs to 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 look internally and talk and answer mm. like you know now people are like oh take dmt to face your demons and and really just feel better about yourself what's your take on that yeah i think with psychedelics specifically mm-hmm. um you're right it is becoming more of a trending topic now and a bit more mainstream for the reasons that you describe where it's like before it was about taking these drugs just to have a good time to you know look at the wall melt and laugh for six hours straight (laughs) now it's people are talking about it more in the context of using it therapeutically which i think goes hand in hand with where we are right now as like a culture and as a society where introspection and self-work and mental health and all those things are like top of mind and so they kind of go hand in hand so for me the way i look at those drugs is that it depends what you're looking for if you are looking to just like have a recreational time with it you're just trying to have some fun sure go for it there's many different tools you can do to achieve that whether it's alcohol psychedelics whatever it might be um for the therapeutic side yeah it's definitely a tool i look at it as a tool yeah similarly so should social media be looked at as a tool social media is a drug like, let's is. not get it twisted <laughs> i think it's like the worst drug. yeah instagram it's a drug and it has a lot of the same characteristics as drugs do yeah. right the addictive component the um, the chemical releases that are actually happening in your brain yeah. very similar to drugs so with psychedelics because psychedelics aren't just about they have functional properties just like even marijuana does if you drink there's nothing really functional about drinking besides you're just going to get drunk and have, you know, have fun, right? Exactly. Um, but like with, no one's productive. No. And benefiting to society. Yeah. Yeah. Talk. No one's drinking to add that kind of value. It's more like social value of like, I'm yeah. just able to talk more loosely and have fun and whatever. Hype my experiences. But with psychedelics, it's very much, it could be a functional tool. I've only started to dabble with it this year. I've always been interested. I've done a lot of reading on it. It's, yeah. And it's something where, um, you want to take your time with it because it can be very powerful. Yeah. Um, in most cases, it's not going to be damaging. Like at the end of the day, a lot of the legal things we have, like prescription drugs and opioids and alcohol damaging. and tobacco, tobacco are fucking hella more damaging to you yeah. and can kill you yeah. and do all kinds of things, right? Ruin families and lives, right? Yep. 
with psychedelics, if you, if you have a bad experience, you have a bad experience, you might feel the effects of that bad experience for some time, but it'll eventually wear off. There are rare cases where if you already have a predisposed mental condition or illness, it might bring it out sooner. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's because you already had something there regardless. But yeah. for the average person with psychedelics, it can be used as a tool. Um, and like you said, uh, very much for self-reflection, introspection. But I think it's basically like, uh, it's kind of like having almost like a cheat code in a way. Yeah. Or like nice. having like a NOS boost, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. like, <laughs> I think there's only so much you can do sitting by yourself and asking yourself questions and doing that self-talk, that self-therapy, which is a very great practice to have, by the way. Like it's and great. It's that, hard for people to do. Yeah. And yeah. it's great that you have that ability. Like you were saying earlier with your, after your breakup, you use that experience to like ask yourself some questions of what you wanted to do. And that's how the podcasting was kind of born. A yeah. lot of people would just sort of wallow in their self pity and think about yeah. the relationship and just fixate on the past and of what was yeah. instead of what could be. Yeah. And that and, silver you know, lining. Sorry to interrupt. Mm. Our relationship now, like me and my ex, we're, it's pretty good. Mm. Like, you know, we're actually learning about each other again. You know what I mean? So like, because it, you know, we both have our things to work on and she's able to focus on herself. I'm able to focus mm. on myself and what it is that I really want to do, yeah. which is pursue <clears throat> creativity in whatever shape or form. And, when we're together now and we're, when we're hanging out and stuff, it's actually a lot more positive and just like, you know, it's like we're reconnecting again, right? So just being able to reflect and really tone myself down and get out of that comfort zone that I was in for, that we were in for three years, it was kind of cool to just be like, okay, cool. You're sad. Do something about it. Okay. Mm. You can still be sad. But do something. Exactly. That mindset is so important, which I think a lot of people lack. And the reason why you're in that great place now with your ex or even just with yourself in general yeah. is because you had a very good, productive, healthy response to that experience. Mind you, like, <clears throat> would I have wanted to take mm. some shrooms during, <laughs> at that time? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Because I, I think that would have been fun. But, like, yeah, I never needed needed like mm. psychedelics to to really yeah. look internally and that's the thing it's just a tool that gives you another angle or layer or approach to do that introspection so you do it just naturally um the one thing that appeals to me about it though is with psychedelics is that it can allow you to access parts of your brain oh, yeah. that you couldn't otherwise access in yeah. a sober state. Yeah. Um, you know, I forget the number, but they say like, we only use like 20% of our brains. Yeah. Consciously. Actually, that's, that's, uh, that's not true because now they're realizing that we use about majority of our brain, but only 10% when it comes to certain things. Right. But our brain is actually working 99% of the time. Yes. Our brain yeah. is working subconsciously, right? Yeah. Breathing, heartbeat, just yeah. especially even when motor you, skills, motor skills, and even like certain routines that are programmed into your into your brain over time, like the way you commute to work. You, you, know, people, yeah. you see people on the streets and drones, right? Like how yeah. are they on their phones, but still somehow able to literally transport their bodies through vehicles and subways and get to another location while glued to their phone? It's because it's like autopilot. It's there. Yeah. So that's all subconscious. But I think, like you're saying, when you're doing like conscious 
thinking yes. to like solve a problem, do something at work. Um, yeah. that, those things that take conscious thinking, like we're not using like a, most of our brain. Yeah. When and you're eating, actually, yeah, of course, it's, you know, it's subconscious. Yeah. So I think psychedelics can be helpful in finding new ways to look at something that you are trying to answer or think about or explore. So yeah. for example, if, um, if I'm, if I'm thinking about a new job opportunity or, or maybe something a little bit wider than that, like let's go even a few thousand feet up and like, what makes me happy or why am I feeling a certain way right now or, or whatever, anything in your life that's happening. Just help you unlock certain things that you can't think about. Exactly. So it can help you unlock and look at things from a different perspective. And it's all really inside of you to begin with. You just can't access it. Psychedelics, it's like having the key. Yeah. Um, that's how I look at it, but I haven't really dove into psychedelics like full blown Man, and I having really the full dose. Yeah, you don't really need to if you don't even feel the like, need to go there. I want to try DMT so bad, <laughs> but like I'm scared of what's inside for me to actually like. You know what I mean? See, that's the other thing. A lot of so I was talking to a friend of mine very recently, about a week ago, who had a very bad experience on LSD. Yeah, and. I, this happened like two or three years ago. And I remember shortly after she had it, like, you know, she had it like scarred her, like a traumatizer. Yeah. Like she like stopped doing stuff for a while. And then I hadn't seen her in a while. I caught up with her um, recently after a, a very long time. Yeah. And she had, she brought up that experience and she's like, you know what? She said, now there's been some time has passed and I've grown and I've gone through some more experiences and stuff in my life. She's like, as bad as that trip was, it was one of the most horrifying things. I am glad I had it. And I'm like, wow, really? And she's like, yeah. She's like, it's like, it's like an extreme punch in the face version of self therapy. It's like, yeah. what would take maybe two years of psychotherapy of seeing a counselor every week to flush these things out? You're going to get that shit done in, in two hours. Yeah. And like li- a lifetime of built up issues and buried psychological damage and problems in whatever your childhood might be or some experiences you went through traumatizing things you're gonna flush this stuff out and it's gonna be very intense and it's gonna be very uncomfortable but most of the people that i have spoken to or i've read anecdotal sort of um you know uh, accounts yeah accounts and stuff yeah a lot of them say that yeah the good experiences were awesome i learned a lot or had whatever but the bad ones actually do end up teaching you a lot yeah, of things eventually eventually when you get over it yeah yeah because you it really just caused you to drop all of your ego and your sense and that's, of self. that's the thing that i want to mm. experience right like yeah because there's some memories that i'm like did that really happen i was like is that real like i want to unlock that and like remember all of those things good and bad right because i see it as a bad workout right you know what i mean it's like you experience bad experience and then you know you don't like it it's uncomfortable and mm. then you try it again later it might get a little bit better yeah and then try it and it might get better and then you start to work out the issues that you have within yourself right and that's that's the kind of process that i want to to start i'm just scared to like all of a sudden leave because so i have this thing where when i get drunk people don't see me like i disappear so like I don't want to have this experience where it's like I get super high and it's just like I go away somewhere. What do you mean you just like physically? Yeah, or? like people won't see me. Like if I'm at a party and like we're getting drunk, like I will leave and go do stuff, and I don't remember recall. I just end up waking up at home. Really? Yeah. 
like I was at an event um, for Good Life. We were, it was a party, uh, a gala event, and we got super drunk. And then from, you know, my coworkers' like, recollection, I was like, yeah, we didn't see you for like a good chunk of the time. Where were you? I was like, I don't know. I remember seeing this girl from the gala smoking some weed. And then mm. next thing I know, I'm in the train, paranoid because my pockets were hot. <laughs> and I'm sitting beside somebody. And the next thing I know, I'm fucking at home. Wow. Yeah. And like in Montreal with uh, my sisters were like at uh, New Year's Eve. We were like, yeah, you got drunk and then like went away for half an hour, 45 minutes. Came back. I don't know how you found us. And then you disappeared again. And the next thing you know, you're like falling asleep and we're getting kicked out. <laughs> I was like, I guess. So, like, you wow. know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I end up going places. And she's like, I don't know where. Right. So I just don't want that experience to happen when my mind is gone. And mm. you know what I mean? Like, I would feel like I would want somebody there to like. Yeah. I would suggest doing it with someone who's done it before and yeah. starting slow. Like, yeah. Microdosing? Um, yeah. So that's how I've been sort of starting my experience with it this yeah. year is I've been dabbling with microdosing and very small doses. I, yeah. I still haven't done like a full blown dose because at least then I can kind of wet my feet and get a feel for like How what this, yeah, and like where this can possibly go. But at the end of the day, um, all that is great, but you won't really know what the fuck is good until you like do the full dose. Until and, you dive in. Yeah. And it's basically like, uh, it's kind of like a rocket ship, right? Yeah. Where like, you can do the the natural introspection and reflection and it'll take time and over time you kind of hone what comes out of that but with psychedelics if you do a full dose of mushrooms or or LSD you're basically strapping yourself to a rocket and it's very exploratory because it's going to launch you and you don't know where you're going to end up yeah and and See, you and you have to be exciting you have to be very open and you have yeah. to like your set and setting is so important right going that's why they say going yeah. to these things like you want to have you want to be in a good place, first of all. You don't want to have, like, negative energy. You don't want to be, like, sad or depressed. It's like anything. If you drink when you're sad, you're going to get more sad. Yeah. Right? It's just going to amplify what you're already feeling. So you have to be in a very open mindset, in a very curious mindset where you're not scared and have anxiety. Like, you set it up in a way where you know you're safe. You might have someone there with you. Uh, you're in your house or some environment or outdoors, nature, something warm, yeah. friendly, safe. And you go into it with a very open mindset where you're just ready it's like it's like an adventure you're an explorer exploring your own mind and your own consciousness and your own self and if you take that approach and you use this as a i'm going to get on this rocket ship and it's going to shoot me into the depths of my mind and i don't know what i'm going to find but i just have to understand that this is a temporary experience Uh, you know i'm not going to die here i'm just going to go in i'm gonna and as long as you remember that i am on a drug right now and if you remember that You'll be okay. Dude, you know, man. Just go into Sometimes it. I feel like, but that it's when, when you, I'm on it's, weed. yeah, <laughs> dude, weed, weed, bro. My anxiety shoots mm-hmm. through the roof. I will tell you after dabbling a little bit with LSD, uh, mushrooms, and I have had my experience with a lot of other recreational drugs, like harder drugs, and strong marijuana, in my opinion, will do have much more of a effect on your mental state and your mind than at that time. a lot of other drugs. Yeah. Straight up. Like there's times where I smoke weed and like, I almost feel like I'm losing control in the sense, not in a way where I'm like off the walls, like doing stupid shit, but like I have a very active mind. And so Same. when I smoke, 
I feel like there's two types of people when it comes to weed. There's the ones that smoke and get very quiet. Yeah. And like they mellow the fuck out. And then there's the people that like me who smoke and they talk more and Same. they, and they, they have a, yeah, they're like more vocal. And that happens to me. And, and sometimes after the high kind of wears off and I think back, I'm like, man, I kind of wish I didn't like smoke that say much. so much or yeah. like, cause like you're basically for me when I smoke, I just vocalize whatever's on my mind. I don't, I you're don't unhinged. like, yeah, yeah. Like usually in normal day to day life, like you have what's happening in your brain and then you choose what to put out yeah. with weed. It's just like, I just, I just talk. And I'm sure no one else thinks anything of it. Like, you know, people that I smoke with my friends, like, they find it interesting. We laugh. I say shit is funny, like, whatever. But to me, yeah. afterwards, I'm like, oh, man, like, I kind of feel like said I said that? too much. Yeah. I was kind of, like, blabbing about, like, random shit. And at the time, yeah, it's, it's funny. It's hilarious. But yeah. to me, the fact that I feel that way after smoking, it's, it's interesting. It's worse when you're the it, only one that's high. Because, yes because then it's like you're, you're doing all of that but mm-hmm. if you're in a group of people that's also you, high yeah it's, it's different like oh yeah, it makes sense it's, yeah but if you're the only one yeah then it's fucking weird because going back to um that one memory that i have uh just like at, at the gala right i remember thinking to myself like after the fact I remember thinking, oh man, the pockets are fucking hot. Like this guy's next to me. Like I have a vape in my pocket. What if it blows up? Like, and in my head, I'm thinking, am I saying this to myself inside, or am I? Did I say that out loud? Wow, you were probably also very drunk too. So yeah, <laughs> kind of right in that mixture. Yeah. And I was just like, because I just remember like, like shifting over in the in my subway seat, and just like yeah. moving over. Yeah. I'm in a suit, mind you. Yeah. So, like, I can only imagine how weird it might have looked to other people. Because, like, this guy's in a suit and he's just, like, acting very sketchy. Right. Right? Like, something like when COVID started and, you know, there was that anxiety, like, social anxiety, people don't know what the fuck was happening, right? Right. So, when I would smoke weed and I'd be like, I'd feel a cough. And in my head, I was like, oh, fuck, that's it. This is it. <laughs> this is it. Like, I'm, I got it. You know what I mean? It's like fuck, and the, and I would just like have a bad trip. And I just had like, have a bad high, and I'm just like, this is the worst fucking thing. I'm never smoking weed again. Yeah, weed is a very interesting one. My relationship with weed has evolved over time dramatically, as it has for a lot of people actually that I speak to. And one thing that I think with weed that I've come to find, so a lot of people like myself, <clears throat> growing up and going through university, especially in university, like we smoke all the time, all day, every day. I would smoke before most activities. Like if I'm going to oh, go shit. run groceries, you know, if I'm going to do some chores, if I got to go, you know, go for dinner, like I'll smoke before like most. The only time I didn't smoke for me was um when I studied. Okay. But a lot of people did, but that was the only thing. Besides studying or working, like I would be smoking most of the time. Yeah. And then, but also my life at the time allowed for that because I'm just a student in yeah. school. I got some classes here and there, like whatever, right? Once I started like adult life, I guess, and started full time work, I just didn't have the opportunity to smoke like that. Nor did I have the desire. Like I'm, you know, my life is changing. Responsibilities. Yeah, yeah, right. So over time, now when I smoke, I get it affects me way differently. And like oh. similar to you, like I feel way more anxious. And like so nowadays, when I smoke, I have to like schedule it in and set aside time. Like yeah. before, like it was so casual and nonchalant. Like I'll just smoke and go down the street for a walk. 
now I'm like, I, the thought of smoking and then being out in public, like, terrifies me. And so, oh, man. so I now I have to like set aside. I'm like, okay, Friday night, I'm going to be at home by myself. It's a <laughs> night off. I'm going to schedule in the calendar. I'm going to smoke some weed. It's like that now, right? It's like the most adult thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> like, but, and so a lot of people, um, have similar experiences and like, oh yeah, you know, JP, like, I don't really smoke anymore. I stopped smoking like whatever because of these experiences. And I'm like, yeah. one thing that I think people should worth consider, um, reconsidering is i think nowadays we have so many options when it comes to weed we're in like the the golden age right where it's like you can vape it you can smoke it you can eat it you can drink it um and the the strain options and you have like you have one-to-ones now like cbd thc one-to-one ratios you have low thc strains there's so many options that's majority of what i smoke now is high cbd yeah and so what i found recently is now that i have so many more options on what i wanted you know um to, to purchase and consume um the strains make a big difference because back in the day when we were like in high school like there was none of this it was just yeah. the, the strongest shit your neighborhood dealer had he like yo i have the strongest kush from bc and like okay and then you smoke it right like yeah. there's no like i want a sativa that has 20 percent or less thc with you know whatever like yeah. you don't you know, be like, what? sounds what so talking? pretentious what are you talking about but now <laughs> It's just like drinking again. I make the alcohol analogy, right? Like some people prefer reds over whites. Some like beer because you know it, it's like a nice, casual way to drink. Others, oh, beer bloats me. I like have a glass of wine. Others, like I'll have a sip of scotch. You know, yeah. you have preferences based on how it affects you. Similarly with with weed, I found certain strains. I found like low THC strains that are like twenty percent or less um, work well for me, and I smoke yeah. in much smaller doses as yes. well. I can't be, I can't, like, if I roll a, a joint nowadays, I can nurse that thing for like okay. four or five sessions. Yeah, a whole week. <laughs> so I smoke out of a little pipe now because yeah. it's like a small hit. And to me, that's like having a beer or two. I get a nice exactly. buzz. It's light. So I think a lot of people get freaked out because they're like, oh, like now when I smoke, like, like it fucks me up. I'm like, well, you're also probably smoking like you did when you were More 21. Than you should. Yeah. Try lowering your dose and try different strains and maybe, you know, a low THC indica works better for you you know what's crazy though i was a late bloomer i never started Mm. smoking weed until i was probably like in my mid-20s okay like like early to mid-20s like beforehand i never smoked weed i never did any of that right Mm. i would drink but like i always thought weed was bad and then i I smoked it and i was like this is actually pretty good like i feel (laughs) so fucking good and just like light yeah like you know what i mean like now as you said like I have a joint that I smoked last week that I still have. Yeah. And like I just finished it and then I went to editing and I was like, oh, this is actually kind of cool. Like I, I'm more productive and I can see different colors and like different things. That You're just, just more creative and yeah. yeah. And that and then, it, it really comes down to like strain, time, play. There's yeah, so many and This is the variables. higher CBD one, right? So like mm. I felt good and I still felt a little bit of the head high. Whereas if I would just like smoke, straight indica I'm like man, i just want to melt onto this couch yep like there'd be a time where i was gaming and i was high and my girl was just like yeah what are you doing like i'm playing a game it's like you're not even moving <laughs> like you're, yeah. you're not even playing yeah. anything you're yeah. just there yeah i was like oh shit like you know yeah. what I mean? Start, and it was like i didn't like that like, i wanted to enjoy and that's the thing with me too is i i don't have any interest in like getting fried yeah like sitting on the couch like i want to be having i wanted to like if i'm using it recreationally it's like drinking right like i don't want to just get 
blasters. Sometimes I want to get like a buzz. Just it just kind of elevates what you're experiencing Feels at the time. Good. And with weed, there's a lot of creative benefit to it if you just yeah. utilize it in the right way, which is you know the right dose and the right type. And to your point about the CBD, so CBD actually um, counters the effects of THC. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if you ever feel like you're too high or it's too heavy because you had a high THC strain or whatever it is, take some CBD and oh. it'll help to actually cancel out some of those effects. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which is why when you prefer the high CBD strains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like, it's basically balancing out the THC effects for you. Yeah. Okay. So similarly for me, even like I try and if I can get, if I can get my hands on like a one to one ratio. Yeah. Or even a two to one where there's like, if there's, let's say 15% THC, there's like maybe seven or 8% CBD. Yeah. Then like, that's like a really nice, well balanced strain. Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't know that. I didn't know mm-hmm. they canceled each other out. Yeah, they do. That's cool. Yeah. Shit. All right, man. Well, we're just about hitting two hours here. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you want to give yourself a plug. Uh, <laughs> I'm not like CBD, uh, the Resolve brand. I'm not well known enough where you can just Google me at this point, so I will. <laughs> um, yeah, the company Resolve, you can find resolvecbd.ca um, or at resolvecbd on Instagram. We're very active on our Instagram, on our social. Our customer support is amazing. Great so. posts, by the way. That's all you, right? Like the the photos um, and everything. Uh, most of them are. So I do shoot a lot of the content right now. But um, I do have a social media manager who does all the pipelining and the posting, and she makes a lot of some of the visuals, okay. like our informational posts. So yeah, she yeah. does like most of the work at this point. I just kind of oversee it and the like, okay. strategy behind it. Um, but yeah, we're very um, <clears throat> we're very active in that. A big part of our brand is not to be like a faceless sort of corporation that is yeah. like, not accessible. Like we try and maintain that grassroots approach. So we respond right away on like any of our channels. We have like a live chat thing on our site because education is so important. And like what I had mentioned at the very start of the podcast with the education when we we're doing the tourism, we, yeah. we still brought that same value into the current business. Yeah, it's great. Like I'm, I look at your post sometimes, like the resolve post mm. and I'm like, this is so educational because yes. you guys are talking about like how it's so beneficial for pets and all of that. Yeah. Right? And I was like, this is fucking great. Like I share that. And it's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Cause it's, we're, we're in an industry that has a need for the education. Yeah. A lot of people don't, you know, the biggest misconception is people see the letters CBD and they think it's weed. Yeah. As soon as you say CBD, people are like, Oh yeah, I'm going to get high weed, marijuana. It's like, no, 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 no. Like this is, this is not that. Right. And it's like, yeah. that's the first step is to like make that distinction. And then there's so many other topics and things you can get into, but. Um, yeah, we, we provide a lot of education through the Instagram, through the website, through all the stuff we post on our, on our site. And then just if people have questions, you know, very reachable, they can reach yeah. out to us. Um, and then me personally, I'm on Instagram as just at JPCBD. <laughs> very, very easy. <laughs> very easy. All right. Well, next yeah. time, man, I got to have you and JT on. Yeah. Um, the whole results team, that would be great to have. Yeah. Um, you know, see his side, how he is and, uh, you know, yeah, man, I see your guys' post and it's fucking incredible. Thank it's you. Like, you know, I, I want it. to have you guys on and share your story. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of what this podcast is, right? Like to share your story, like unfiltered, like be who you are and just mm. as you are, right? Like as that's, um, fuck, I'm going to butcher this, some sort of Beatles song, Come As You Are. That's Beatles, <laughs> right? I think, yeah, it's Beatles. Yeah, John yeah. Lennon or something yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, like that's, this is what I wanted to be, you know, share your, 
how people, certain people deal with mental health and how, you know, you go about your daily routine and daily life and share, share stories because not everybody has an opportunity to share, share their story. Right. And I was one of those people that I would see somebody in the street and think to myself, what has that guy been through? Mm. What's that person been through? Everybody has a whole life story behind themselves. Exactly. Right. Like it's, it's insane. Exactly. Like we're all just background characters in yeah. someone's life. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, not to, not to say that this podcast is a fucking huge deal or, you know, yeah. what I, mean? like I, I don't have a lot of listeners right. yet. Yeah. Right. But to be able to let somebody tell their story, I think that that's the coolest thing ever because at least somebody's listening. There's at least somebody mm. learning somewhat, something new about somebody, right? Like opening up the floodgates for, other people to to share their story and maybe even feel better about themselves like saying oh i have that similar experience or you know oh i can relate to that person because mm. of this or learning something about a product like cbd like oh maybe i'll try that instead of this really strong weed that i get right. down the street right like you know what i mean and um that's what i wanted to to bring with this podcast yeah i think even if you can impact a one small person. yeah even one person who can take something away from this then do you are to me it doesn't matter about especially because you're just starting like the, it doesn't yeah. matter about the scale like if you can at least positively impact even one person like you've won you've, yeah it, it, you've done something worthwhile there if you just don't if you ignore like monetary gains and stuff like that yeah. right uh, it really comes down to like your why of why you do this and i really like how you put a bit of a focus on or touch on mental health. I think that's, uh, that to me is an integral part of my story and yeah. it, it is probably of, of everyone's story Yeah, of how you deal with the world around you and the things that happen within you and outside of you. Um, yeah, for sure. And my journey brings along its own set of challenges. And I think I, I enjoy sharing how I've navigated those challenges and where it's been hard, where it hasn't been hard and how I've been able to sort of, work through the hard times and, and be very candid about the impact that it's had on my mental health. Cause yeah. I think that is something for me. If I, when I listen to other podcasts, uh, I listen to a lot of, I listen to Tim Ferriss, which yeah. I think is a great podcast, um, to listen to. He interviews like a lot of like top performers in different fields and other like business podcasts and stuff. And, um, and even in the stuff that I read and like you were saying, when I can, draw something from someone who in some way is relatable, you know, like they're going through something similar or they're dealing with whatever. And I look at how they tackled it or what their approach or techniques yeah. were. And I draw from that and apply it to my own life. I think that is like very, very useful. For sure. And the other aspect that I want to bring <coughs> up to was to allow for men to just express themselves, like how they, like for men to just normalize uh. speaking about their mental health emotions and all of that what's going through their head yeah right because that's such a thing that's looked down upon you know what i mean like not a lot of guys talk about how they feel yeah like talk about their mental state you know what i mean and like you talk about journaling and meditation i've never done any of those right and it's cool to see you know to hear about other guys doing different things to take care of their mental health as opposed to just bottling it in yeah you know, and thinking that, oh, it's going to work out or, oh, you know, this will, this will be good. Like, I'm good. Like, no, you're not. Like, you're yeah. not good and it's okay to not be good. You know, mm -hmm. just 
find a way to, to work through it and make it something that works for you, right? So for you, it's your morning routines. And for me, it's this podcast and it's like working out and, you know, and, and it's a good release, right? And I want to normalize guys talking about mental health issues, guys talking about emotional health, because that's, it's so important to be the man who you're mm. supposed to be. You know what I mean? Otherwise, yeah. you're just letting your ego destroy you. Yeah. It's gotten better, though, I think. Like, it's definitely yeah. gotten better in terms of, like, guys talking about oh, for sure. feelings and sharing. And especially, you know, sharing different ways in which they deal with it. Like, if I had talked about journaling, like, when I was, like, in, like, high school, I'd be picked on. Oh, yeah. Like, what the fuck? You're journaling? Like, what's wrong with you? You're writing in your diary? Like, you know what I mean? You'd be called gay. You'd be called yeah, gag. exactly, like, right? Oh, man. But now <laughs> it's not so much the case because, um, I did Christmas shopping for my family and, like, my younger cousins, uh, one is, like, uh, 14, I think he's, like, ninth grade. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of getting into journaling. And so I'm like, this is a great life skill. Like, I'm going to support, and I bought him, like, this, like, journal thing that helps you kind of, you know, if kids at a young age, I think it's important to be oh, able to sure. interest, be introspective and reflect and to ask yourself questions and to start that process of developing that self-therapy skill. Yeah. And journaling is one method in which you can do it. Um, but a lot of kids, they, don't have that and guys as well like you were saying like that's why we therapists make so much fucking money right because like you go through like 25 years of your life and never having never having addressed some real important issues (laughs) and then it manifests itself in terrible ways addictions and 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 your your bad relationships or whatever it might be yeah and then you go through like three years of therapy for thousands of dollars (laughs) and you figure it out but if kids can be taught at an early age hey like it's okay to be sad and feel certain ways. And more importantly, when you feel that way, how do you respond to it? Do you do stupid shit as an outlet, which I'm very guilty of for a lot of my life, stressful times, drinking, partying, drugs, all that kind of stuff. But I'm now at 31, I've now developed the ability and the skill sets to handle things in a healthier way, to respond in a more productive way, to be introspective, to reflect and ask questions about the hard times. I wish I had that training when I was going through school. So, these are the kinds of like topics and conversations that need to be had, especially to benefit younger people. I feel yeah. that otherwise won't have the tools they need to like really be effective in life. I think the education system is just totally fucked and like what kids are being taught or what's being focused on. For sure. Like, I don't know how much time we have or if I'm going way too over. Oh, it's up to you, man. I know um, you have somewhere to be. So yeah, I know. It's know just, we're, we're, we're at two hours right now. Okay. I'll just wrap it on, on this, but. Um, as my last sort of thing, <clears throat> but like the fact that schools are still teaching kids like the fucking capital of like Zimbabwe and like you know what I or mean the and like the, mitochondria. Yeah, like <laughs> like you know we're living in the age of Google, right? Yeah. Like you can just look shit up, right? Fundamentals, yes, learn, but all this functional fact- life skills exactly. All this fact based yeah. learning is irrelevant now. I think children especially in the day and age of the information age that we live in now where your the inputs and the things coming at you are like exponentially higher than they used to be yeah um teaching kids like you know about nutrition about food and physical exercise and mental health and techniques to manage your mental health um emotional skills yeah financial literacy yeah um you know how to you know even career like I, I didn't know what the fuck i wanted to do coming out of high school and even going into the, my first couple of years of university yeah because i just didn't know any better i was ignorant to what was out there like no one really 
you know, things like that. And you were living through what you, your mm-hmm. expectations were. Yeah. And just like yeah. things that I sort of kind of thought I knew anecdotally, but like, I didn't yeah. really know much about the real world and what yeah. opportunities I had as a career. And these are the things that I think is, should be taught. And thankfully, I think we are getting better in the, in the world in a place where like, at least the adult world is starting to have these conversations. And hopefully in time, it'll translate into the education system where yeah. kids are being put on a, on a path of effectiveness, right? And effectiveness yeah. isn't about like knowing things and exactly. knowing the multiplication table and the fucking Pythagoras theorem and shit. Like, you know what I mean? Why like, be- use it? Yeah, yeah, being effective is also about knowing how to manage your emotions and, and bad exactly. things that happen in life. Like a silver lining that you had with your breakup or that I've had through my, the loss of my aunt doesn't just happen. You have to be, you have to create your own silver lining and yeah. you have to be open and have this, the right mindset to be able to see the opportunity exactly. or to see a potential silver lining in a bad experience and then create it for yourself. Exactly. And like, these are the kinds of things where if kids are taught good fundamental skills from a young age, they'll be much easier and more likely to develop those sorts of mindsets to help them through life. Cause at the end of the day, really what matters in this life is just, you know, it's a very short life we have in the billions of years that things have existed. It's about just being happy. Yeah. You want to spend as much of your life as you can being happy. And being happy is about being at peace with yourself. Yeah. When, and that should be internally derived. But unfortunately for the majority of people, even myself included until very recently, I pegged my, my happiness and being peace with myself. What that meant for me was based on career status, finance, yeah. finances, relationships in my life, other people, friends, family, things. I, I place it on things outside of myself. These are variables that I can't control. Yeah. It's not sustainable. It's not repeatable. People come and go. Money comes and goes. Jobs come and go. But yeah. if you can find ways to cultivate happiness from within and you create your own happiness every single day, everything else can go away and it, it, it's not going to kill you. It's not going to crush you. It's not going to destroy you if things go away. It'll be hard. Of course. Yeah. But if you can wake up, for me, my happiness comes from having a healthy body, from working, from moving my body, from meditating and having a clear mind, from creating things, from my photography, my DJing, like things that I do for myself is what makes me happy. And I can do those things irrespective of other people. Yeah. And it's this kind of, these kinds of thought processes and ways of thinking that need to be talked about more and, and has to be instilled somehow in, in the education system where like kids don't grow up basing their their self-worth and self-respect and self-esteem and confidence on paper and outside variables right that is so important it took me 30 fucking years to like even come to a place where i realize these things and i'm now in a healthy state of mind where all of this resolve and all the things i have or the people in my life you know these are important things they're big parts of my life yeah but it shouldn't be the dictator of like my happiness. Like, like if it all went away tomorrow, can I still be still at be peace good. with myself? Yeah. That's the question. Can I still be at peace with myself? If all the things that I have outside of me went away. Yeah. And if the answer is no, that's where you start to reflect and you ask yourself, well, why? And how do I, what gives me a sense of peace or what will, exactly. what makes me happy truly? And you have to do that self work. Exactly. And, and, and like the financial successes, that's mm. just, cherry on top yeah 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 Yeah. we need money to survive and to live of course and 
some people might value money more than others. Like, look, I like to have nice things. Like, don't get yeah. me wrong. I, I, I like to indulge in nice things, but I don't want to base my fundamental happiness in those things. Exactly. Right? I exactly. want to base my fundamental happiness in who I am as a person. Yeah. And I might have peace with that. Buy things. Yeah. yeah. You can always buy things back. Yeah. Like, my bike got stolen. That was my main mode of transportation. I wasn't at all upset because I made, in my head, I made it a, a point a few years ago where if I lose something, if something gets stolen of mine, it's just a thing that I can right. always just replace. Yeah. And I can just get back. As long as I'm okay and, you know, I can do things by myself and I'm still good, I'm good. That thing can, I can be robbed and I'll be okay. I'll be fine. Mm. Because it's a thing that I can just replace. Yep. All right. And one of the greatest tools for inner happiness and inner peace is gratitude. Yeah. And a great way to practice gratitude is by writing it down in a journal. So, like, these yeah. are the kinds of things, like, you know, I think young people should be made aware of and instilled upon them early on. It's like, if you have a sense of real gratitude for the things you have in your life, which anyone living in this country, <clears throat> for the most part, should have, right? Yeah. I have a healthy functioning body. All, all five of my senses work. I can move freely. You have a home. Right? We're having a podcast with a roof over our head. I'm drinking tea. Like, I have things, luxuries in my life that a lot of people don't have. Exactly. And so everything else outside of that doesn't really matter. Like, it's, it's theirs. Cherries on top, like you said. But There's happiness should be... people that are happy. Yeah. Happiness should be intrinsic. And, yeah. and that's why, like, you know, money doesn't buy happiness. is absolutely true. Exactly. All right. Well, on that note, man, yeah, man. thank you for coming, JP. That was big. And, uh, that was you know, I'll definitely have you on again next time. And, yeah. you know, we can talk on for hours about yeah. this stuff, right? So, yeah. uh, I know you got to go somewhere. Mm. Get your uh, massage going. Right? <laughs> Self care, man. Too mad, man. Self care is important. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, until next time, thank you for listening, guys. <laughs> have a good one. Thanks. Came through tripping, I'm sipping 15, kept a weapon on me. Make bitches on my mind, been in stack chicken like what it's gonna be. True in the cut, and you want us to run when I tell a